0: So we're picking up this year our entire theme for the year um, has been um uh, uh being prepared as the royal priesthood and ultimately as christians when christ came on the scene he was adamant about how the new role of believers um is to be that royal priest okay and it's after the order or the priestly order of melchizedek or some people say melchizedek but every time somebody says that i just feel like you should stop like the people that said humble rather than humble. Like I don't care what the dictionary says. We all have agreed it's humble. So just get with the program and quit trying to change it. Cause we're gonna change it. All we gotta do is change it in Wikipedia and then it's forever changed. <laughs> so we're gonna win regardless, amen. <laughs> but uh, Melchizedek, understanding the order of Melchizedek, which is a priestly order we've discovered and not necessarily one individual, but just like there was a Levite priesthood in the day of Moses before the Levitical priesthood, all right, was the priesthood of Melchizedek, men, and, men that op- occupied three positions for God, uh, priest, prophet, and king. Yeah. Does that make sense? Priest, prophet, and king. And that was a big deal, yeah. all right? And this, this understanding as priest and prophet and king, uh, they became rulers um and more specifically in earlier in the year we looked at all 10 melchizedekian priests up to christ and it was evident that they really uh ruled now christ has not finished his last set order of a melchizedekian priest and that is to be king over the entire world all right during the other times the first nine melchizedekian priests um, it is reported that they had dominance not just it was not national dominance but huge worldly dominance and they would conquer the next leading opposing world worldly figure and then they would usurp them and have dominance and so this lineage from Noah Shem you know up to Moses you know we ran through them all about how they occupied and then we see that the priestly order began to be divided into three sections and not just into one so then with the the issuance of Israel you began to see that you would have a king A prophet and then a priest and it would be three different offices and that began to separate up until Christ reconciles all three offices again all right Um, so so we've seen that and then he comes um, because one of the sacraments for um, for um, the the induction into a Melchizedekian priest is to bring tithe and to take wine and bread and that was established back in Genesis right and so when Jesus sits down at the Last Supper he doesn't take a lamb which would have made sense because he was the lamb, right? Yeah. He takes bread and wine and he offers it to his disciples who then became the apostles, the fathers of the faith. And then we today, as many days this week, have been taking communion in order to to si- signify that we are in agreement with the order of Melchizedek yeah. and that being firmly redeemed back into one mighty loaf of bread, and that is Christ himself, amen? Amen. 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 <coughs> So that's what we've been doing, all right? And then, as we started studying the order of Melchizedek, it led us into um, a study in Hebrews, because Paul writes, believed to be the author of Hebrews, an exhaustive study regarding the Melchizedekian priesthood, because the book of Hebrews was written to priests. Mm-hmm. It was written to the Sadducees and the Pharisees, which were the priestly order, the scribes, and the priestly order um, of uh Uh, Paul's day and Jesus's day so that they had a chief high priest and so Paul is trying to convince these priests these scribes that were been trained and astute in the laws and the ways of God and have been carried down from generation to generation Paul then says it is this Christ that was the Messiah that you crucified that is the Messiah that you crucified and it behooves you to see him now that he's been raised from the dead by many proofs, ascended to heaven, made himself visible to hundreds of people for over 40 days. You cannot negate that. Oh, you can't call all these people crazy and all these reports wrong, right? People that didn't even mean good for us. They have now also seen the Christ, you know, and all of these conversations were had. And so Paul is trying to convince the priests of God under the Levitical priesthood that you should definitely consider, um, Accepting Christ as as the Messiah and and he goes into one of the verses in Hebrews He says because what is now um, Passing is dim and so in essence saying that the law that you serve it's dimming It's it's, it's dead and it's fading and they didn't believe it But 15 years after the book of Hebrews was written to them the letter of Hebrews I should say uh, the temple was ransacked and they had no place to be priests anyway so he was trying to say before you're forced into this, yeah. or even die in this. See Christ, yeah. become a part of this new Melchizedekian order. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and some say no, and some say yes. You know, yeah. uh, and and so that's the the context. But Paul gives it a, a wonderful study. And so today we're on somewhere around chapter 11 of Hebrews, and understanding because everybody wants to be a prophet. Okay. All of us run around here and say, we kings, we kings. What's up, king? What's up, queen? You know, yeah. everybody, but nobody wants to understand what it means to be a priest. Yeah. And that is the one that you, as believers, the only covenant that you actually take is one as a priest, yeah. not as a king, not as a prophet, but as one that serves God and assists people uh, to come to God. That's what the priests were. That's what Christians are supposed to be. Last week, we left off around Hebrews chapter 11, somewhere around verse 16. Um, Paul is in chapter 11 defining faith, right? Hebrews 11, 1, it opens up, that chapter opens up with now faith is the substance of things hoped for. You've heard that verse. And the evidence of things not seen. And we have allowed this verse just to mean pretty much declarations to get stuff, you know, But that's not what it was intended, and you know it's not what it's intended because when Paul starts to teach about this faith, it does not look like anything like naming and claiming. It don't look nothing like declarations. It don't look nothing like pull it down. You know, it don't look nothing like, you know, stir it up. You know, It don't look nothing like any of that. It looks way, if you are using these stories, these patriarchs of the faith, in order to help define what faith is in God, it is we have, as a black church, gotten it way off. Oh, yeah. Hello, somebody. And then we can't figure out why so many people are leaving the faith. It's because we have presented it in a way that is not true. And so when they learn that this is what faith is and it does not keep them, yeah. then they leave. But I wonder if we taught it the right way, if we really express faith the way it's supposed to be, could we find those people that say, I knew there was more to Christianity than what everybody else is saying. And I'm just crazy enough and I ain't got nothing to lose to get out there and try. All right. (laughs) Uh, Pretty much because, you know, it's easier to tickle your ears and to tell you have everything you want in life. God wants the same thing for you. It's easy to tell you that you can just, you know, faith and click your heels and wish everything away that you don't like in your life. Um, But it's one thing to say, "Mm, some things aren't going to go anywhere, right? Some things have to go somewhere, you know, and some things you just have to endure until they're done. And, And this is a hard lesson for a New Testament 2000 millennial plus church, because we are adamant that. We could manifest, yeah. Yeah. you know, you know, we can attract, you know, and all I got to do is preach that and people, hey like, man, I knew it, I knew it, I need my my inspiration. This is more than inspiration. The word of God is not just supposed to inspire you, although it has aspects of it, but it also supposed to reprove, correct, yeah. chasten, he even goes on as far as I say, say, you, yeah. Like you ain't just, you ain't just, you know, give me a good talking to, you beat me down with this word. Uh, Paul says, I wasn't just, you know, chastened. I was scorched. I was beat up. And he, he says that the Father chastens and scourges those that he loves. Yeah. How, how? Well, did you remember his son died upon a cross? Yeah. And then Paul comes along to say in Hebrews, he says, And you haven't even resisted to bloodshed. Amen. And that's just he's saying, You're so saying, Oh, woe is me that the chastening and me feeling bad about what i'm doing and pastor preaching on it is so terrible but you haven't even resisted to the point of a sin and uh, to the point of bloodshed like you ain't say you know what i ain't gonna smoke that crack till you're bleeding nope because if you did you'd be delivered from crack if you can get through no seriously for drug addiction if you can get through the the what's it called the withdrawals or it feels like death. Hello, somebody. Then you'll be delivered from it because you die to it. That's in every addiction. That's in every behavioral issue. If you could get past the point where you feel like I can't get let go of this thing, I'm not going to survive if I don't have it, on the other side of that is your freedom. That's good. That's good. But nobody wants to preach about how you're going to feel like you are dying in this. And you should because if I tell you that, then not many people want to hear it. They want a pill, they want a surgery, they want a new relationship, they want some more money, anything to distract me from the amount of pain that I really have to go through in order to be truly free from that. But if you love somebody, you tell them, that's not not gonna make you free. It might solve the external issue, but you still won't be free. Y'all don't wanna play fair. It, it may solve how you look. It may solve how you, f- you know, but you still won't be free. Yeah, yeah. And whom the son, what? Yeah. Is what? Free. free indeed. If you do it his way, because he is the way, then you'll be free indeed. But you can't do it your way and expect, you know, because our way is very self-preservatory. Self-pres- pres- 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 <laughs> right? It's like, ooh, 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 oh, this is so bad. Okay, that's enough. Do you remember how I said the true definition of a hypocrite is they'll put it right to where it hurts, right? And then they'll relent. They'll back down. But the saint slices the whole head off, cuts the whole arm off, plucks out the Man, forget this. That, that level of commitment is what is necessary. And we fall short. And I can't even blame the body. I have to blame the leaders first because the leaders fell short to demand it do I, to say this is the standard to not give into all oh, his grace is sufficient it is but you still got to hit this this is where you're supposed to be his mercy, no, yes. His mercy, yes, 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 yes. But this is where you're striving for and nothing short of that. And they have to keep putting that standard high up in the air because if we don't, then you will come lot, a lot lower. And then if I bring it down, you're not even gonna reach where I bring it down, so you're gonna get even lower than that. So if I bring it down a little bit from there, you're not even gonna reach that, you're gonna get even lower than that. Before you know it, we've all have degraded ourselves as believers. Hello? You gotta keep it high, I'm not lowering the standard. I am not lowering the standard. Some of y'all should tease me. I should stay back in the day. All right. All right. So, by the time we get to Hebrews 11, he's explaining faith. And last week and for two weeks, we've looked at faith and we've compared it to um, the hobby of puzzling. And I know some of you don't puzzle. All right. But I'm starting to warm up everybody to the idea of puzzling. For those of you that never puzzled, time people start thinking, but maybe I should get a puzzle and try it. Yeah. Uh huh. Because it's fun. Um, but puzzling. Is we use the example of faith because hebrews 11 says that by faith god framed all that we see he framed the ages all right and um, we looked at puzzling as one of those key concepts um, because you first start with the frame of a puzzle all right the edges of a puzzle uh, you sort the pieces by color you pull out the edges um, and then you start with that frame and we've used puzzling in order to help understand the walk of faith uh, because it is it is, uh, in Hebrews, he makes a simile or a metaphor of seeing an image manifest right before your eyes that at first wasn't mm-hmm. there. And he says, by faith, you do all these things. Like in a puzzle, you build the edges. And you know that if I get these edges together, then the pieces that go inside this edge have to be around here somewhere, right? Uh, Satan, as some of the parables that Christ gave, is kind of like the enemy that while the, the the servant slept, came and sold tares. Or he sows in other ages and he tries to confuse you to think that this is a part of the frame yeah. because it's a little bit of red and it's a little bit of blue hello somebody because I kind of like this well I've always been like this in my life or this is kind of my story and this is where I came from and this is my past and so Satan will throw in his ages and thinking that you would pick up the piece and start building with his pieces right and then Christ comes along and says uh-uh this is what we're building not that and he rejects all of those pieces do you understand now the frame and the foundation is secure in Christ before Satan there was Christ does that make sense so the frame is already secure he just got you being busy and distracted over here trying to build something that will never remain never intended to be a part of your life never intended to be a part of the work of a God and will never remain make sense so we've been using the concept of puzzling as we start understanding the work of faith as something that we could kind of see here. And we st- discussed that the first part of building a puzzling for all of our puzzlers is that we make the frame, find all the edges, the flat pieces, because those are easy to pull out. That's about maybe 10% of the entire puzzle or less is these edges. So you get that done. He's still got thousands of pieces to go, but, but you're, mo- you're moving, all right? And then you start sorting by color, right? Uh, similar to how God might sort nations, not necessarily by color, but by attributes and how they fit. And you start sorting those things by, cont- by cultures and necessities and, 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 and how they all work together and interconnect is the goal, all right? And so you go through the stage of sorting. And then, as we discussed last week, there's the part of puzzling that nobody likes <clears throat> and most people quit in, and that's the beginning. When it's 1,000-plus pieces left that you've already sorted, And you just have to find one one to go in one spot one perfect piece to go in one spot and and that is the part that most people hate okay and they quit puzzling because they never get past that point as I told you I did with Jewel she doesn't like puzzling but I started bringing her in on the end of the puzzles with me and she loved it because the selection that she had to pick from in terms of pieces and where they could go had already been reduced because it's the end make sense so she had less pieces to work with and less places that it could go and then when she recognized I do like this over time I would keep expanding how many pieces she could work with and how many spaces she could work with and challenge her each time to say okay I can find it okay 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 and she never even dawned on her that I was making it increasingly more difficult each and every time once I got a hook that she liked it (laughs) right but the issue is we can get past the part of, of fatigue of weariness of discouragement that on the other side we actually start doing what we've always loved yeah. while we signed up to be a Christian in the first place but you've got to get past that point I can't rewrite time and take you to the end and bring you back no that's not I don't leave that was just an example okay that's not how it works. you got to go through this the part that you don't enjoy the part where there's 50 million choices and you still seem to pick the wrong one. How do I keep picking the wrong one? Or like me, I just tried this piece. I put it down, picked it up again, and retried the same piece over and over and over. Why am I doing that? Then you just like put that piece over there. Don't try that piece. Because <laughs> it keeps convincing you that it fits. <laughs> Hello? So in our faith discovery, um, First, we looked at how faith causes us or establishes righteousness, and that was in Hebrews 10 and 11. Now we're in faith, how faith causes us to wander at the early chapter of 11, early couple of verses of 11, how faith causes us to wander. First, faith establishes righteousness with Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve, the patriarchs of the faith, how righteousness was established in that. And when people talk about sin, And how they can't stop sinning it's always connected to an aspect that they don't truly believe about God every single time every single time I don't believe he wants what's best for me I don't believe he knows what's best for me I don't believe he'll do what's best for me and it's some area that we don't believe and that we don't trust in our relationship with the Father which is why Christians sin okay it's not why everybody sins everybody sins because we're human but why a Christian continues to disobey God is because there's a level of something they don't trust. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So first, faith establishes righteousness. Now we're on faith causes us to wander or to live in a yes, but not now. And so last week we looked at uh, uh, Abel and Enoch and Enoch and then we took us to Noah and Noah and Abraham and Sarah by the time we get to Noah getting off the boat Noah had kids all right Shem all right was was the next uh, Melchizedekian priest because Noah he inherited the whole world because everybody else died in the flood so he came off the boat like aha I am of course the new Melchizedekian priest because I'm the only one from his three sons and their wives two of two of them had wives they populated the rest of the earth uh, Shem and Ham, uh, you see uh, the, uh, Nimrod come as the one of the dominant world leaders that comes generations down is Nimrod, and he came from the descendant of Ham. And Shem became one of the royal priesthood and began to learn of the laws and the, le- the letters of Adam that is um, in the Apocrypha, the uh, books of Jasher, and all those types of things. Shem decided to study from Adam, okay? Now bear in mind, Noah knew Enoch. Enoch knew Adam. Does that make sense? Methuselah was there throughout the whole time. Okay, Methuselah was real old, okay? Bearing witness to this to what was happening. So people were not that far from understanding God. All right? then Shem comes along and Shem becomes the next ruler Shem then uh, knows Noah Noah comes off the boat having all the letters all the the writings of Adam and the rest that we find in the Apocrypha he comes off he's training his kids Shem is one of those kids they're learning they're receiving it from Shem down the lineage comes uh, eventually Abraham right and this is a big deal because Abraham is now uh, the nations have grown People are again are beginning to become more apostate, okay, or apostate, and they're starting to turn away from God and blah, 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 you know, and the whole world is becoming more sinful again, and God is beginning to call out a specific nation, and when the Tower of Babel fell, do you remember God said, Israel will be mine before there was an Israel, yeah. okay, but he wanted Satan and all the other false gods, the fallen angels, to know that when that nation shows up, and I call it Israel, yeah. that's mine. And you can have all these other nations that have joined together to build this Tower of Babel that i have then scattered them with, with different languages that made them have different nations. Those are yours. So when people say false gods aren't real, oh, they're very real. And you see that denoted in Scripture. All right, but they are not supreme. Not supreme. Not supreme. Not supreme. But they are adamant because, remember, Enoch... <laughs> They, the fallen angels tried to convince Enoch to according to the book of Jasher to go and intercede for them for joining Satan in this conquest like we shouldn't have done it we couldn't we shouldn't have came down here and slept with the daughters of men of women daughters of men we shouldn't have been down here uh, procreating with them we shouldn't have joined Satan in the first place can you go and tell God we're sorry and and, and, and we repent and then Enoch was like no I, I can't do that for y'all. <laughs> Look look at y'all, y'all big and mighty. No, I'm, but he does nonetheless, humbly. Humbly, he goes and starts reading the letter that they wrote. (laughs) And God was like, no. He didn't even get mad at Enoch. He was just like, no, that's not going down. They're going to see the children that they may die. Their plans crumble. There is no repentance for them. And this is what the anger and the reason why Satan fights you so much is because he wants you to look like them. Because then he could say, You can't save them because you didn't save us. You can't forgive them because you didn't forgive us. And look, they're doing the same thing we did. We took we moved from our station in life. You know, we were angels. We shouldn't been down here procreating with humans. All right. But we wanted what we want. So look, look how they're doing. That's why, that's why sodomy and homosexuality is so tightly related to an abomination, not because the, the individuals are so terrible, but because it, it ultimately reflects how we change our station in order to get what we want yeah. to satisfy another desire yeah. that will we'll change our position in God's created order. Yeah. Has nothing to do with the evilness of the person, but more so what that act represents and where that type of action comes from. That I want what I want I want to love who I want to love and I don't like the fact that you're trying to tell me not to so you must be a terrible God to stop me from loving who I want to love yeah. and that's the same thing that the angels felt which is why they joined Satan and saying you must be a terrible God because we know that we could be better rulers than them you put Adam over from us we know far more than him and so they changed their station So the idea of the abomination is that it reflects something that is utterly that brought sin into the world in the first place it reflects that concept that mindset yes so enoch was like i did god said no all right Uh, by the time we get down past enoch we got to know we get abraham abraham shows up because now God is on the move and trying to find his seed and pull them from among the rest of the world. And Abraham was the candidate that was chosen to do that. All right. He had the seal of Shem and Noah. Shem was still around at this point. Okay. Abraham understanding the flood and utter destruction is very clear in his mind. And he was then sent as a little babe when he was Abram to go stay with Noah and Shem to be trained. So when he heard God's voice said, go, it wasn't that he didn't understand what was happening. Like, hark, Lord, is that you? I don't know. He didn't even need a burning bush. No, he was like, that's God. I got to go. And he moved and it was prophesied and everybody agreed and the hands was laid on and everybody saw that this was the chosen person was going to do that. And that's what we pick up in Hebrews with Abraham. By faith, Abraham uh, dwelt in the land of of his inheritance. And that's where in Hebrews 11, 8, which we covered last week that Abraham moved in the land that he was promised to him. He came to Canaan, the promised land, walked all in it, but he never built a house. He dwelt in tents. And he just kept moving to see all the things that God promised him, but he never actually lived in that promise. And then God in his infinite and sovereign wisdom, he's such a Mac. Okay. He says, I'm going to give you a promised son that will reflect this journey that I have you on, where I promise you a son and you don't see the son, and and, and years and years come back to the point where now your wife is in menopause, y'all can't even have kids, and I still say, I promise you this son, even after you made your son another kind of way with Ishmael, and I still say, I promise you this son, and he's constantly on this yes, but not now journey. And so finally he's given his son, and that's where we pick up, Sarah received strength to conceive, to hope, and to believe after months, and months, and months, and months, and months, and months, and months of periods and no baby, months, and months, and months, and years, and years, and years, and years, and years, 100 plus years probably or less of trying to no avail, right? And now she's past her age. She's gotten hot flashes. And God is like, and I'm still going to give you a son. And she chuckles and she laughs. She's like, what, now that I'm old? And then when God hears her, she said, oh, I didn't laugh. He said, you did, you did, but he still nonetheless pursued her. And she, by faith, received strength to hope. He could have just cursed her and said, you know what? No promise for you. But then how would you know that he ever really promised it if he took it? So he lets the promise remain, but he deals with your heart cause you can't call him a liar. Makes sense. Cause you call him a liar. Then I'm gonna do what I said, but I'm gonna deal with your heart. And so Sarah had to receive strength to hope again and then to go do to do again with her husband. And then they had a son named Isaac. Amen. Amen. And then Paul then goes into Hebrews somewhere, somewhere around Hebrews eleven sixteen, 16 and he says, listen, All these people that we just talked about, Abraham, Enoch, Abel, these people were, even Abraham himself, he journeyed in the whole land that was the promised land, and he never lived in it. He never built his nation there. He just believed that one day he would, and he died, and Sarah died believing that. This is the part that people are not preaching in Christianity. And I wish I could just put it on a megaphone bigger than this and say people die believing. They die holding on to what God said. Not they hold on to it till it doesn't happen. Then they reason how maybe it wasn't God in the first place and they move on to something else. They die yet believing that this is what God promised and Abraham just wandered around. Then when he had Ishmael, Isaac and Eliezer, which was a, a captain of his guard, when he had them in his household, he taught them. We just, this is all going to be ours one day, right? Today. No, not today. Come on, keep going. Get pack up your stuff. We got to keep moving. Okay. This is going to be ours too. I heard the Lord say this is going to be ours and that's going to be ours. All right, good. This, I like this place. This is where we're going to stay for, since this is ours. Nope, nope, not ours yet. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. And this is how he raised his entire children to live. So, when Isaac hits the scene, that's where we're going to pick up in 11 17. Ch- Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17, how faith causes us to wander in a yes, but not now. Are you there? Say amen. amen. By faith, Abram, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it is said in isaac your seed shall be called concluding that god was able to raise him up that god was raising able to raise him up from even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense okay stop right there you know the story abraham took his son isaac up as a sacrifice unto the father to slay him on an altar, on a mountain. We Come to find out the same mountain, the same mountain that Christ stood on the Mount of Transfiguration, but nevertheless, all right? He took him up to slay him. Isaac didn't get slain because God then spoke to Abraham and said, I can see your faithfulness and that you will not withhold nothing from me. And behold, there is a ram in the thicket. And then we discuss how the book of Enoch from one of the Apocrypha books begins to reveal how that, uh, it was Satan that caught the ram in the thicket how God had always al- always intended that the Ram would be with them when they got there and would be plainly seen. But Satan entangled this Ram in the bushes and the thicket so that the hand, the knife is going up before Abraham has a chance to see the Ram and the, that wouldn't, he shouldn't even been in the bush. It was supposed to have met them on that mountain top but it was Satan that caught it in a thicket. So then God would not be undone spoke to Abraham and Abraham obeyed, stayed his hand, saw the Ram and slayed the Ram as, as an offering instead of his son. Um, this, this is that story that Paul is now picking up, trying to convince the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the Royal priest, that is in a priesthood that is fading away, getting ready to shut down has not been reopened since. Okay, ain't nobody over there sacrificing sheeps and goats and lambs in Israel, even though Israel has been stated as a state. Do you know why they're not? Because the very temple that they, the place that they need to build their temple has not been given to them. So you got the land, but you don't have the site. And you know, like I know that you can't do nothing without that site. Hello, somebody. So now you still cannot reopen that Levitical priesthood. Hello. Okay, so so nevertheless, so, so Paul begins to try to explain to them um, that by faith, when Abraham was tested, he offered up his son Isaac. This, to me, is a big deal, all right, because Abraham was tested. I just need you to think about that for a second, okay? Earlier, Abraham, when called by faith he obeyed and went out to a land that he didn't know where he was going right then by faith earlier in the chapter we learned that Abraham dwelt in the land that really wasn't his but he just kept wandering he dwelt as a nomad in the promised land but never inherited the promised land so we see two other occasions where Abraham shows some faith right in his obedience right in his dwelling and how he lived where he lived where he went but now he's showing his faith in a test this test wasn't the obedience, because that was back there. This test wasn't the wandering. Abraham was now being tested in how he concluded. Oh, oh I'm preaching, but y'all acting in yeah. the day. The test isn't whether you could get past this sin temptation and this, this thing that, hello, somebody, you think that's the test. Why is God testing me? Oh, no, obedience is not the test. That's just a prerequisite. That established that you belong to him. And if you disobey, then what could reestablish that you belong to him is how you receive your chastening. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Like, did you receive it as a son? All right, good. Let's move on. And he just scoops you up and keeps you going, right? But the test wasn't the temptation. No, the test wasn't how you lived. Well, you know, I don't really try to make a lot of money. I tried to do this. I tried to live like this. I tried to do my devotions. I tried to do this. I, that wasn't the test. The test for Abraham was how did he conclude this situation with God? There's the test of faith. Oh, I'm preaching better y'all active. Hello, somebody. Is at the end of the day, when you look at your current situation and then what do you see about God when it's concluded? Hello, somebody how do you see and view god when it's concluded when you get to the conclusion of the matter how do you see god because satan will always try to distract you from actually concluding oh he'll make you upset he'll make you angry he'll make you hurt he'll make you frustrated he'll get he'll buffet you and push you anything that gets you to stop from actually concluding because when a believer truly concludes they conclude with god they always conclude with God they can run it all down well I I said people people say well Pastor, I think have you I counsel people that are in the lifestyle that are seeking God for deliverance you know and that's their business all right if you believe God wants you to be gay and saved that's fine all right I don't have no qualms with you I only deal with people that say I do not believe this is the plan for me and God I'm not gonna get into a theological debate with you about this (laughs) does that make sense it's when I look at my relationship with God and I look at this affinity that I have, I don't think these two things coexist well in me. It is not my job to tell you it doesn't coexist well in you. It is your job to admit that it doesn't. And it is my job to serve you in that. Make sense? We're doing too much trying to convince people that they shouldn't like something that they actually like. Hello? I deal with those who are in conflict. I like it. But I shouldn't. I'm like, welcome to Christianity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> same thing with the heterosexuals. Same, same. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> same, same. It's no different. But the guilt and shame of it gives it a heavier weight. And what Satan uses it to do to, uh, to change your identity and your call and, and your path with God has a heavier weight. And we know it because even though God looks at all sin as the same, all sin hits us differently. Right? so there there becomes a need for assistance in that. I don't know why it keeps going to the table there. All right. But nevertheless, um one of the things I try to explain is is when it comes to God, there's a there's a level of faith that he's testing you on and it's not the sin. Because at every point I say, "Well, why don't you just go to a a, a church that supports gay and lesbian relationships?" I can't do that. Why not? Cause I don't think it's right. Okay. Okay. Well, why don't you just, and I try to convince them <laughs> to study and maybe the Bible got it wrong. I hope we got it wrong. Maybe I'm reading these scriptures incorrectly. I hope I got them wrong so that so many people could come right to the faith of to, to God. That would be wonderful if I was wrong. So maybe you should study it to see maybe biblically we're wrong. I studied it, I can't wrap my mind around, they say how this is okay, I just can't. And they take it from that approach and that is the first step, why? Because until you could recognize that the test is not the sin, but the test is how do you conclude your situation with God. And so there are people that have counseled for years regarding this. And I know they want, and I want for them to never have to deal with this situation in their lives. But there are some things that we could endure for our entire lives and still be called to be faithful to the father. But Christians aren't talking about that. If there's anything you don't like that brings you discomfort, then it should end versus then you should persist and endure in spite of this conflict and in spite of these tendencies and in spite of that I will still serve the father and I'm going to prove it to you in scripture better than I can preach it. Okay. I'm going to show it to you. It's going to reveal itself, but we're not teaching that. And I know it's because it's so hard to watch people in pain struggle with our identity, struggle with their guilt and their, their shame with God and receiving the grace and then trying it again and falling and receiving the grace and trying it again. And we want so much that something has to be done because this you could not have meant that this person suffered in such a way their entire lives. And maybe he didn't. Hello? And, and maybe he, but he did intend for you to suffer for a period of time. But how you conclude with God. Matters. And so I I asked some of the people that I counsel, I asked them, I said, Well, what is your conclusion? He said, I just don't think I can go to heaven like this. No matter what, I keep looking and I just can't shake it. So at the end, you've already concluded that this this is where you see God in this. And it's biblically supported. What Satan tries to do is to make your pain, the buffeting, the agony, the loneliness, the shame, the guilt, the frustration, so big that you don't have time to conclude. You know how you get. You know how you start arguing points that ain't even the real issue. You know you how you trying to defend stuff that ain't, well, I mean, it may not be, but, 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 but it, it may not be right, but, but. This is all your emotion siding with Satan so that you will never deal with the real issue because the real issue for a believer will always lead you back to God. So you get overwhelmed by the pain, overwhelmed by what people might say and how people are whispering or how people are talking or, or what people might be thinking about you and overwhelmed by how this person isn't being nice anymore and how overwhelmed by how the money isn't adding up and overwhelmed, and you get so overwhelmed by everything else that you were in a spiral before you had to really think about where this is going to take you. I'm preaching, Betty, I'll all it. because if you had just a moment as a believer to think about where this is gonna take me, if I could just sit here for a second, and put their feelings down for a minute and really process about how this does not line up with what God has for my life, then surely you as a believer wouldn't even go down that path. You'd have more resistance. You'd have longer endurance. But Satan knows all I gotta do is get you flustered. Just get your boss to treat you bad. Get your mama to do you down bad. Your boyfriend, your girlfriend, and I just get them real flustered. And they won't even notice that they're doing without thinking. Come on, somebody. Because faith is not a lack of reason. Faith is using your reason that is akin to God. How you reason with the part of you that believes God. Not trying to prove God first. You have to believe that He is. Right? So faith uses your reason, but it uses the facts that are true of God in your reasoning. And so Satan knows if I can get you so emotionally off, so emotionally weak, so exhausted and fatigued, so tired and overwhelmed, if I could just get you so, so low, so lonely so by yourself so injured so hurt so worried so anxious so nervous so undone then you would never really conclude how God is using even this because if I let that believer think just too long they might see God and how God intended for them to walk this difficult path and I can't afford for them to know that God intended for them to walk this difficult path because if a believer knows that this difficult path is where you intended for me to go then a believer girds up their loins and they look at that difficult path. They look at that mountain. You ain't got to be moved, but I'm going to scale you today. I'm going to scale you today as if you were never even there. As if you were never even existed. I find myself on the other side. So Satan's plan is to make sure that you don't conclude rightly. And what Abraham did. It's when he was presented and God told him, offer up your only begotten son. As he was receiving the promises, the Bible says, he says the proper translation is to say, and he that had received the promises offered up is more properly to say, and he that had welcomed gladly the promises was offering up Isaac. So in essence, uh, the author switches not from past tense, but present participle in saying, while he was offering his son, while he was already moving in that direction, he began to conclude. You're trying to conclude before you move in the right direction. It don't go that way, baby. You got to put your foot out on that water first. You got to get the other one out of that boat. Now you can start concluding rightly, but you're trying to conclude still in the boat. That's not how faith is. You remember, this was a test of his faith. He'd already had a test of obedience, so he knew God to obey, yes. right? Yes. He already had a test of moving, so he knew he had to obey and move. Yes. These things were already established in his life. Yes. So one thing he ain't going to do when God say is disobey, because the late obedience is I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, they said, I don't know. I know that's not what God wants for me, but, you know, right now this is, you know, I'm just hoping this is, this is the best I could do. I know it's not exactly what I need to be doing, but um, uh, I'm not really where I need to be with God. I'm not at church, and uh, I just can't handle that right now. And I said, I get that. I've been there. I said, but do you, kn- you do know that if you don't choose God, uh, if you're waiting to choose him fully, you already didn't choose him. He's not like that. He doesn't make you feel it, but it's the truth. If you haven't chosen him fully, you have not chosen him. The fact that you are not choosing him fully means you already chose this other thing more. That's just a fact. We can't get around that. Do you recognize this is what you're doing? Every time you're not fully choosing him, he doesn't read that as, oh, well, they partially love me. You reason, oh, so you want this thing more. You want this other aspect of your life more. You got to have this more. Because the lack of this means pain in your life, and you'd rather not have pain than to have me. Well, who wouldn't want that? Hmm. Magic unicorns called believers. <laughs> These crazy faith believers, under pain, death, persecution, torture, pr- imprisonment, beatings, They'd rather have those and keep Christ than not have Christ without those. That's what believing is, and that's, that's the standard. Is that even if it causes me pain, I'd rather be in line with what God is doing. And there are not enough churches trying to give people the strength to endure the pain. But we try to reason how they could stop being in pain how to maneuver their lives. Well, you get a better job over here. Then You get more money over there Then you don't marry this person. You cut this person from your life. You know, all the sermons, you know, sometimes you got to cut this person, cut that person out. Yeah, And then we're just so busy trying to maneuver how we could stop you from pain versus recognizing that pain is sometimes a necessity for the proving of your faith. Cause it's always easy to believe when it's easy, but you don't really believe until it gets really hard. And in this case, Abram was told, I want you to offer up the one thing that you always wanted. That I promised you. And I want you to offer him up, but that's all I got. No, you, we wait, we, we, you know, we, I went through all of it. It was so hard with, and then I, and now I'm so happy. I feel so complete. I've been in such a good place with me and you. I, I, and, and I want And you, now you want this, this thing brought so much joy. You know, I'm less stressed at home. I'm, I'm a better parent to the kids. I'm, I'm better at work. Uh, hello, somebody. I, I, I'm just better with this weed. I, I'm just better with this drinking. I, I'm just better with this person in my life. I, I'm just a better, hello, somebody. Oh, I can run them down. Hello? And he says, yes, I understand that, that you being better in that area is what I promised you. But do you believe that the son belongs to you or does he belong to me? Hello, somebody. You love the son for who he is, but you also love the son for what is satisfied that had been a longing in you forever. Now, I'm testing your faith to say, now, would you go back to longing? Would you go back to emptiness? Would you go back to desiring and wanting if I asked you to? Come on, Abraham, would you go back to when you was poor like when you were, was raised would you go back I ain't gonna ever be like that again my soul commitment that I would never be like my mama I would never be like my daddy I would never be I would never have a family that had to go through this and this becomes your passion and that is if you came out of that situation what you tell yourself is I will never go back there again I'm not talking about that home I'm saying can you see a future home that's even better than what you came from which one do you want do you want that one or do you want this new one how do you conclude? Is it more important that you never feel that pain again? Or is what I want more important? This is the believer's walk. Because you know, I'm speaking from experience here. It Ain't been nothing but pain since my mother passed a year and a half ago. Almost Now we get almost to the month of two years. It's been horrible. Nothing but pain. Every single day. And then every day I have to conclude. <sighs> but God. Every day the conclusion has to, the pain is so bad, forget life, forget this, I ain't doing church, forget this stuff, I'm doing this stuff. <sighs> if I don't do this stuff, and I'm still breathing, and this means God needs me to do something. And I'm here for a reason. So even though I'm not at my tip-top shape, I do believe that God has me here for something. And my hope is that it's here for something. So I will get up, get dressed, and do. Did I believe and the pain was gone? No. And that's what we're not teaching saints to do. How to walk in the pain, in the lack, how to be faithful to God, even when it doesn't go the way and is not going, is not going the way you would want. And excruciating pain. Because there's levels to pain. The doctors often tell you that three, five, nine, seven. If you can't walk at three, if you think five is enough to stop, baby, there is a 10 in everybody's life, if not multiple tens. But one thing about hitting that 10 max, once you hit that and you lift that weight, You know for a fact you can handle all other pain and still remain faithful. It's one of the best gifts God could ever. Hello, somebody. You know what? I could be faithful in the midst of this. Woo! Ain't no stopping me now. What is that? A seven? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And you could move forward. It's something you never want to experience, but when you have to do it, because that is a part of the will of God for your life, you recognize the good that he works that for is that you now know that you can be faithful for the rest of your life, because the 10 didn't take you out. Hello, somebody. The 10 didn't take you out. But we're not showing enough about how you endure when it's not working. And it ain't just quoting Bible verses. Hello, somebody. That's not gonna do it, all right? How do you endure takes quoting, remembering, Praying, interceding, sometimes fasting, sometimes going to church for that period of time. Hopefully you make it a lifestyle, but you know, whoever, you know, you know, is staying persistent in the face. And then, and then it takes how you conclude with God. Now, for me, my conclusion on my grief side at my 10 scale, all right, is I don't think I will, it will never not hurt that my mother is no longer here. I don't think it would never not hurt. And everybody says, it always feels the same. You always feel that pain. I'm like, when you already tell me that I'm gonna feel this for the rest of my life. What type of, you wanna talk about discouragement? And then they say, well, it won't hurt as bad. But my current experiences say, I can't imagine how it won't hurt as bad. Do you understand? So then I'm stuck with, it hurts so bad. And you want to tell me that it's going to hurt for the rest of my life. And then you want to tell me that you want me to live with this. That's at max 10. Yeah. Let's take it down to loneliness or a relationship that you can't have. A job you can't take. A friendship you can't maintain. A lifestyle. Let's take it down. Let's take those pain levels down from 10, death, down to se- 7, 8. Yeah. You know, 10, death, 9, Maybe abuse and trauma, some scar you have to carry for the rest of your life. Then eight, somewhere around, you know, um, um, what your how your life isn't going in the direction you thought you'd be going in, you know, all of those areas. Take those down. Now, how do you conclude? My conclusion is that I dare not be unfaithful to the God that controls death. <laughs> that was my conclusion. You took my mom home. Reasonable. You're God. I get that. You've been doing this forever, all right? This is your thing, Okay, That's your territory. You have right to do that. She was your creation. Duh. Should I be angry with the God that does these things because that's his? I'm upset at death? Should Should I then be mad at God? I don't know. I don't think I concluded in my mind, it doesn't seem like a good idea to be angry with the God who controls life and death. That, that was pretty much my conclusion. Like long term, you're going to be so angry. You're going to not want to live. So you're going to kill yourself. And then when you kill yourself, you're going to show up to the same God and be like, Hey, I was really mad at you. So I was petty. <laughs> I told not to live. <laughs> see, I don't think that I don't, I don't think that I don't, I don't think see, I'm, I'm, I'm being jovial here, but real because these are the thoughts of suicide and depression that come with grief. And I don't think me going to the father and like, yeah, I gave up on you. Forget you, forget the whole system. That's why I killed myself. Hi, let me in. I don't think that conversation is going to go well. I concluded that he is God and he is the God of creation in all of that. You know, very melancholy display. He is the God of creation. And I concluded that I will see the God of creation and how our dialogue is going to go. Does that make sense? Now, how do you conclude God in your situations? Because Satan wants you to be so angry, so hurt, so insecure that you don't really see what you have to see about the father. Mm-hmm. I ask people, so, so what's your extra strategy? What do you mean? Well, you're a believer and you're, and you're into gay and lesbianism and you don't think it's a good for your soul and who God calls you to be. Uh, so what's your extra strategy? I don't know okay well you're a believer and you're, you're smoking marijuana every day just to get by what's your exit strategy I don't know I never really thought of it so you're a believer and you're in a relationship that causes you to fornicate what's your exit strategy I don't know I haven't thought of that see this is the this is a the concurring theme that Satan is just trying to make sure you never really think about the end of this because as soon as a believer thinks of the end, there is so much truth that they want change. And that change drives you back to starting again. <sighs> Let me repent. <sighs> Let me go to the altar. <sighs> and that's, and uh, you're like, Pastor, I can't, I can't keep living like this. I, I don't want you to keep living like this. I want you to get it. But I'm just grateful that at the end of every time, you conclude with God. Because you're lost if you can't hello somebody a test of your faith involves how you how do you conclude you see this and you know this what's your conclusion regarding God the test of our faith always is in the conclusion and Satan loves to distract us from concluding because a heart that loves God will always end with God so the only tactic Satan has is to distract buffet, hurt and injure you to get you to procrastinate to get you to be anxious or emotional and make rash decisions anything as long as you don't really have to think about what you are doing what you are saying how this is going and to the end he never wants you to think about that because years will pass and you'll be in the same situation Years will pass, and you'll have the same pattern. Years will pass, and you'll still be on your way to hell. Years will pass, and, and you won't be where God calls you to be health-wise, mental-wise, emotional-wise, relationally, socially, or even in your calling. Years will pass, and you could be in the same seat because Satan will keep distracting you with all this other stuff. So you can't really see what, he's, what the end is going to be because you know this end is not good. And when it really hit you, you start making changes. And then when it really settles in you, like, I don't want that kind of in, I don't want to be that type of husband. I don't want to be that type of mother. I can't even be that kind of believer. I don't want to be a Christian like that. I don't want to be that kind of friend. I don't want to have that type of personality or character. When you really conclude it, then the more you grab hold, you know what? I don't want that at all. Then when you start getting tempted, you like, psh, and tempted again, psh, and tempted again, psh, and tempted again, psh. But it hurts. Oh, well. But I'm pain. Oh, well. But I don't like it. Oh, well. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. you start changing how you talk yeah I know it hurt don't don't you don't you feel upset yeah but I'll be all right. I ain't gonna try to act like everything is okay everything is fine no it's not fine but it will be it will be I just got to get to the top of this mountain because God just might have a ram in the book I just got to get to the top of this mountain I got to get past the point where I feel like I'm dead. Press through even if it means dying because it could have been another way I could die in my belief like so many other patriarchs but that has not been determined yet I could still there could very well be a ram in the bush at the top of this mountain my hope that then is the substance of my faith spurs me to climb up the mountain take it anyway I don't know what God might do I might conclude maybe he could raise the son up from the dead but I already saw myself being obedient already saw myself up that mountain already saw myself trusting God and what he does after that is his business. Yeah. He told me that my seed will be called after the name of Isaac, so I know I'm supposed to have grandkids through Isaac. But look at the weirdness of his conclusion. Well, maybe I'm gonna kill him, then he gonna raise him from the dead. That seems like something God could do. Now that was his conclusion. That's what spurred him. Look at this. His conclusion was wrong, even though God is capable. And we'll do that. It's a yes, but not now. It's not your son. It's gonna be my son. Because that's the kind of loving God I am. Hello, somebody. So you have the concept. But even though that's not what I'm doing, the conclusion that you made that I could do something as extravagant as that got you to become the patriarch and the father of the faith, even though you concluded wrong, you believed that I could do an amazing thing. And that got you up to the top of this mountain. People are so afraid about, well, what if I, I believe wrong that God can do it? So what? If you believe wrong that God can do anything, it will still get you to the top of the mountain. You want to be a patriarch of the faith or you just want blessings? What if I believe wrong that's not what God wants to do? Okay, you believe God? Yeah. What if I believe wrong? I, don't, I see win-win. <laughs> I see win-win. <laughs> when people come to me and say, "Pastor, I believe God told me," all right. Well, if I know it goes against some things, I might actually just show me scriptures, all right? But even after you show me scriptures, you still say, "I believe this is God." Go, go forth. But I, if I'm your pastor, you're under my rule. I'd be like, "Hmm, careful." I thought you said it was God. That ain't God. What about that? That ain't God. You tell me this is God, but you got a lot of ungodly things coming from this. This ain't God, that ain't God. Are you sure about this? That's my job. But nevertheless, I'm with you as you choose to believe that what you see is God. Even if it does not go the way you thought, that belief got you to a better place, a higher point of maturity with God, more trusting with God, more seeking him. I made you pray more, can discern more, look more, defend more, fight more. I made you wrestle more. Oh, it got you up a mountain, baby. Hello? Hello? people say, what if it ain't God Abraham believed that God was gonna do it one way and did not do it that way yet his son still remained alive wow. I told sister Glenda the other day about something a couple weeks ago I said well Glenda why don't you just go ahead and try it I said I can't see I don't hear an emphatic no in my spirit even though you are teetering along a line that you should not be and you did not handle it the way you should have because you're supposed to ask for wisdom before you do something not after but nevertheless <laughs> Go ahead, let's see where this takes us. Cause that's her walk of faith. Does that make sense? And this is a safe enough example where I feel like she's in arm reach if she gets to start sinking. I told you, that's why I told you to would be over there. <laughs> but it's my goal to watch her the entire time, which is what shepherds do, taking sheep, there were wolves everywhere and moving them throughout life where they are wolves that want to devour them, getting them fat and ready to be slaughtered on the altar of God. Mm-hmm. So it's my job to watch. Why is she always looking at my life? Look at my soul. Her eyes are so piercing. Yes. Yes, they are. Because you're walking a walk of faith and it is my job as a shepherd to catch you in case you fall to pick you up but I got to know where you at if I don't know where you at I gotta come find you that's my job hello somebody all right so Abraham concluded so a test of our faith is not the sin it's not the job it's not the relationship it's not the drugs the test is how do you conclude When faced with my own uh, prescribed medical procedures for depression, both in pill and herb form, (laughs) after the passing of my mother for depression, I had to have with my therapist an exit strategy because I had to conclude what I did not want a part of my call. And I did not want to be a pastor, not that I knock any pastor that is on antidepressants. I did not feel like that was a part of my call because I passed through my sheet closely and being numb as a personality trait is not beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. Make sense? So I said that doesn't fit my call personally because I'm more than a motivational speaker, right? Right. Amen. So I need to be present. I need to feel pain so that I can relate to their pain. And I might need to feel pain for a long period of time so I can relate to people that have to be in pain and sorrow for a long period of time. So I don't want to be numb to it. I want to experience it. I hate it. But I see how even in this, God can. My conclusion is even even if it got to go like this for the rest of my life, all right, I see how God could use that. Is it ideal? No. But I can see how. I can see how he could use that because there are some people that die with pain, that die in pain. Hello? And I want to be able to hold their hand to say, God still loves you even though this pain remains because pain has a way of making you feel like he doesn't love me. But someone that has been in pain can say, even while you're hurting, he has not left you. He, hello, somebody, he has not left your side. And this this remaining is not an indicator that he is not with you. It means that he's drawn ever more closely. So you can conclude how God could use even this, this thing that you don't want to be single for the rest of your life, to not have kids, to to not be able to have the job. I will never be able to, you know, you're nevers. Hello? That you can say even in this. But you never know what's on the top of that mountain. We never know what's on the top of that mountain. And God did not tell Abraham, when you get up there, I'm going to have something. Don't worry about it. Just go up there and act like he was going to do it. That does not work. (laughs) Abraham had to thoroughly believe that he could have to endure this pain was waiting for him. And he died to his old self. That's one that's going to kill his own son. The reputation, he died to that. He died to one of his time. He explained it to his wife. You did what? what did you do to him I mean nevertheless did I pull that point enough did you guys hear that enough how do you conclude is your test of faith how do you conclude and do you see how Satan distracts you from that conclusion he never wants you to be calm enough to think not a believer because a believer has another component that merges into their reasoning that's the Spirit of God and truth so when you get to calculating stuff, you buy, oh no. And if your calculations is wrong because you're not good at math, you have a professor that will show you the proper calculations. Yes. Now run that again. <laughs> well, God don't mind. Mm, he does. Run that again. Okay, you forgot the variable, okay? The variable is squared, okay? God squared. Okay. Well, he doesn't really vary. Never. Quit nerding me out. All right, let's move on. All right. <laughs> All right, go to uh, Hebrews eleven twenty. So by faith Abraham offered Isaac. Am I correct on that? Yes. Um, verses seventeen through twenty. All right. Verses eighteen and nineteen, concluding that God was nineteen says concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which he also received him figuratively. Like figuratively, uh, he did die. The fact that Abraham was going go up there, he was he was he had concluded he going to do it God's way. He saw himself killing his own son. He knew this was going down, but you know, God did promise that my, my seed uh, will come through Isaac. So maybe he's gonna raise him from the dead. So he concluded, he concluded the act wrong cause it's not now, but it's later. And it's not your son, it's God's son. But his faith got him up there. Yeah. Hello somebody. And he gave up his son figuratively he was prepared to lose it and had already lost it when he went up there I like, this is going down and then there was a ram in the bush amen? amen so then by faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau now this is the same Isaac okay he the ram in the bush saved him all right he came back down okay <laughs> with his dad and by fa- by faith Isaac blessed his sons Jacob and Esau con- concerning things to come uh, let's stop right there let's look at Jacob and Esau all right? This story has always bothered me because Jacob, whose name is going to be changed to Israel, remember, God was just waiting on Israel. He already claimed at the fall of the Tower of Babel that when all these nations disperse into different languages, that when you see all these gods, when y'all see the nation of Israel, that's mine. And y'all can have all the rest of them, right? So Abraham shows up. Abraham has a son named Isaac, who is a foreshadowing of the Christ, being offered as the only begotten son, right? The children of Abraham, the children of Abraham are Jacob and Esau. I mean, the children of Isaac is Jacob and Esau. Hello? Now, what bothered me about this is because Jacob's name becomes Israel. Okay? So God changes Jacob. Where's the nation of Israel? It's Jacob. And watch how it mattered, not who, because he was going to change that person's name regardless. (laughs) It was about when it was the when and the who. Hello, somebody. It was your who Jacob is significant because your father, Isaac, He didn't even count it robbery to lay upon an altar. And he could have certainly overtook his 100-year-old dad. But he believed what his dad had been teaching them and what his dad had been showing them as they wandered that this land would be ours. And so he too said, it's still going to be ours, daddy. Go ahead and cut me. This is who you came from, Jacob. And if if you are the seed of Isaac, then that is good enough for me to call you Israel. (laughs) That just makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, why would not the baby? Because the baby could have just been born. In Israel, Abraham will have a son named named name Israel. No, it had to be seen. I want to attach the story of Isaac to his son named Jacob long before I reveal that is my nation, Israel. I want you to see the insides of this family. Hello, somebody. Not perfect, by no means. Hello, Ishmael. <laughs> Right? But I want you to see how they follow me. And I want to use that, that characteristic, that personality trait that runs in that family, I want to use that as a building block for my Israel. Uh huh. Now, Jacob's name becomes Israel later, 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 right? But what is so perplexing to me is that we know the story that Jacob tricked Abra- Isaac into blessing him as the firstborn over Esau the whole story is that is the 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 name Jacob means a supplanter that doesn't necessarily mean trickster okay it means that you are the replacement of right Right, well he's a trickster no it means he was a replacement remember Jacob dwelled in tents while Esau was out there in the fields um, hunting right the dwelling in tents doesn't mean because doesn't mean that he just liked to live in a tent it means that he studied the text the the patriarchs letters and writings and testaments that he was a man of the tents he was trained like Abraham like Isaac like Shem like Noah right that's what he was under that he liked this Bible stuff this law and letters and what God is doing he was a man of the tents so it was very clear and obvious that if anybody should be the next chosen one it would be the man that likes God that likes to study the history, to know where people are and where we're supposed to be going, not the one that's out here. I ain't gonna you, I won't be in that boring class. What are they talking about now? Oh, I already read the Testament of Adam. Oh. <laughs> that was Esau, right? So it makes sense that it should be Jacob. It's possible that Jacob probably didn't even have the trick to get it, or to to, to, to surplant or to become the replacement of his brother, because you know the story goes first. Esau sells his his birthright to Jacob for a pot of stew. Esau is hungry. Uh, Jacob has made some stew, right? Now, what is is hilarious is Jacob was the agricultural, right? Esau was the gamesman. You know, he hunted game and, and had herds, right? What is hilarious is that whatever Esau, Jacob was cooking, he probably got it from Esau. Then he takes it, adds some seasoning, some spices, and some goodness, and puts it in a pot, cooks it. And then when his brother is starving, says to him, if you give me your birthright, I'll give you a pot of stew. Esau is like, I don't care nothing about no birthright. I'm about to die. And it isn't just that he gave this up for pleasure, something so important as a birthright. Birthright means what comes to you being firstborn. Esau was the oldest. So he gets all of his father's stuff, right? Esau's like, don't nobody care about no birth, right? When I'm about to die. See, but the heart of a believer is one that says, even unto death, I will maintain my position with God Almighty. (laughs) Even if I die, I will die being this, what God has called me to be. I will die being that before I ever succumb to any fleshly desires in order to that would take me from that. Now, which one would you prefer that the lineage proceed? If you were God, which one would you say, you know what? That's the kind of personality trait that you need. What Jacob is really doing is showing Esau, you don't even have the right heart to lead God's people. It's not just the blessing. It's not just the cattle and the land that our father has. It's so much more to that. It's the text. It's the history of God himself. It's being selected by God to rule and to prepare the world for his arrival. This is a big deal. You don't even care about the the birthright. The birthright is everything. You are leading the people. You're showing them where to go. That's far more important than some some cattle and some land and Jacob's bartering with Esau revealed that nature of Esau yeah. and then later when the trick happens and, and Jake and Isaac is get ready to die and you know the story am I right? everybody know the story? okay Isaac is getting ready to die and uh, Jacob comes in pretending to be Esau because his dad is blind puts animal fur on him, tricks him and believes and gets um, Isaac to believe that he is Esau. Isaac smells him, s- smells the, the cattle and the, okay, you smell musty like my son, like you're hairy like my son, Esau my oldest. And he blesses Esau, he blesses Jacob as if he was Esau. Gives him the blessing that goes with the firstborn. Since you're Esau, I'm gonna give you all of this and your brothers will serve you. But he's not Esau, he's Jacob. And just as Jacob walks out the door, right after that, Esau comes in. And Esau's like, I'm here with your soup, dad. And and Jacob, and Isaac is like, who are you? He's like, it's me, Esau. I already blessed you. And Esau cries out, oh, Jacob, you did it again. You no good so-and-so. And he says in the latter verses, he says in Genesis, he says, not only does he rob me of my birthright, but he also robs me of my blessing. Now what I want, that's in Genesis 27. What I think is hilarious here is I never hear Esau complaining when he got robbed or tricked out of his birthright. He never wanted to lead. But oh, when the blessings... When the blessings, oh, y'all don't want to play. Oh, but when the blessings start going, well, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Bless me also. Bless me also. And then Esau cries out, Father, don't you, you got more than one blessing. Can you bless me also? And then when his father blesses him, he said, and you're still going to, you're going to have cattle and you're going to have some stuff. You know, you're going to be in a very fatty, fruitful land. Uh, I gave all the cattle and wine to your brother, but you'll be in a fruitful land because uh, I gave him the birthright that went with the blessing. I mean, the blessing that went with the birthright. He said, but you're going to serve your brother. The blessing still kept it the same. You're still going to serve. The oldest is still going to serve the younger. And I was like, this is terrible. And in my mind, I would be thinking, how do you build a nation from Jacob who obtained the blessing through pretending to be the firstborn? Well, that's just the blessing. The blessing just reveals the future. Every father that blessed their child reveals where they are and where they're going to go. That's the blessing. He had multiple blessings, but he still spoke the truth by faith. The issue wasn't the blessing. The issue was the birthright and the birthright was a fair exchange between two brothers, one that didn't value it and the other that did. One that valued it to death and the other that did not. Do you understand what I'm saying? So then all of a sudden, so, but I said, okay, but that's, that sounds good, but still, Israel, which is Jacob, comes from him tricking his dad. I'm sorry, Israel, I just can't get, can't get down with it. But look at, this, look at this, the story even closely, all right? When we look at it more closely, we will see the foretelling was accurate, that the firstborn, Esau is replaced or superseded by his younger Jacob who later becomes Israel now how does this happen because Jacob desires the blessing just after no Esau excuse me desires the blessing just after his younger brother received it revealing his heart shamefully so and desire for the blessing more than the birthright so Esau wasn't mad at the birthright getting gone he was mad at the blessing revealing that he cared more about the comfort of his life than he did about leading the people of God oh I'm preaching Betty. all that if you compare that to the calling of Israel slash Jacob to the Gentiles their younger brother hello somebody with their belief in the need for the birthright and strive for the blessing so that the blessing of the father will not exclude them I don't think you understand me let me say it again compare now, this Jacob surplanting, replacing his brother, and see how that's Israel. How, when the Messiah shows up, there is a younger brother on its way. Y'all don't want to play fair today. There's a group of young Gentiles. Hello, somebody, that cannot be fully brought in unless you have first been rejected. Y'all don't want to play. And so now the younger is going to serve as Paul is writing to the older. The younger is now going to serve the older, supplants them, becomes the firstborn of many brethren, which is us, and then turns around and includes the firstborn. Include the firstborn. Hello, somebody. The story is the exact same. When Jesus is trying to convince the Sadducees and Pharisees, who are the leader Israelite rulers of the day, listen, you're more after the blessing in the Bibles, and Jesus said, because you love the praise of men more than you love the praise of God. And he will rebuke them because you're more concerned with your position and your station as high priests and Levitical priests, and you're more concerned with the blessing. And don't that ring true for people today that we can be so caught up in the blessings of God. I'm preaching better y'all acting today. And the whole black church is being swayed and ooed and moved and manipulated to get blessings and more blessings. Every song is about blessings and bigger and greater and better and bigger and greater and better. And nobody is talking about you got a birthright. Dear believer that even in pain, even in death, even when you don't like it, that you will serve God faithfully. Ain't nobody talking about the birthright. You only know the birthright because the birth, the blessing goes to the birthright. The blessing goes to the birthright. Words of faith and the teaching of the word of faith movement, the name and and has corrupted us so that I, it bothers me that we can't even see that we have a call to show the heart of God as royal priests that understand the heart of God. And that's more important than us receiving the blessings, but fret not dear little ones, because the blessing still goes with the birthright, but you better check who really has the birthright because it ain't the one that gave it up for selfish pleasures of the flesh. You give up your position in God to please your flesh. You need to check if you really are those that are carrying the birthright. I know, rest around and smack you on your tail for that one. Because you are, you are giving up something. You're giving up who you're really supposed to be in God, the seed that he intends to build from your life. How he's intending to use you at your job and in your families, both seen and unseen. You're giving that up for some pleasures of the flesh because Satan has distracted you from really thinking this thing through. He's overwhelmed you so you couldn't really think clearly. And now you're out here making foolish decisions. You fall into this foolish decision. And there's a point where God calls, when that's when the patriarch is getting ready to go on and cross on over and die. He calls you in and this is now judgment seat. It's it's like a, let's bring it in, let's see where we are, let's call it. The deed of Esau not being The firstborn seat, blessing, and birthright happened long before Isaac laid hands. It happened when they were out in the field. That's when that changed. And all Isaac is doing is calling all that to the forefront. This is already what you've done in the spirit when nobody was watching. This is already where your heart is, and now I've judged it. And here comes Esau's tears and he's crying and he's crying and he's crying. He's like, I can't, I can't live like this. You've got to have another blessing. And all he's really crying out for is the blessing. So he gets blessed with land, but not the birthright. No, your younger brother will rule as the eldest, but I'll still let you inherit the blessing. A blessing. Hello, somebody. Who Now, I know. If I was Esau, I'd have been crying too. This isn't fair. He took advantage of me and my bad personality and character. I mean, that's pretty much what you had. Bad character. You serve your flesh a lot. So now when you serve your flesh, you can't even imagine past that point. It's so loud when you want it, it can't be, it can't be silenced. This didn't happen overnight. Right? So the heck with a birthright. Did he trick you or did he just reveal your bad character, your bad priorities? how you didn't prioritize correctly with the things of God. But Satan will allow your habits to overwhelm you so so you can't really think it through, because if Esau would have thought it through, he'd be like, boy, you might give me some of that soup, that's my lamb and that stew anyway, give me that, you know? Or he would have been okay with a missed meal. Or would his brother surely have let him die? Don't seem like the type, do you understand? If he would have just put some pushback on that, I am not giving you my birthright then it would have shown how much he wanted to lead the family in a godly manner. Mm-hmm. But when you gave it up so easily over just your flesh, not believing that God could keep your flesh, because what you got to recognize is Esau needed to know that God could keep your flesh. Mm-hmm. That even if you had this hunger to the point of death, that maybe you'll die and he raised you up cause you was the firstborn. That's not far-fetched, considering your father had that exact same experience. I would have been, if I was Isaac, I'd be like, oh no, I got tricked. I got to undo it. Tell Jacob to come back. Shame on you, tricking me like that. You know it's supposed to go to your brother. Isaac was like, "Uh uh-uh. It good just like this. And left it why because isaac knew a long time ago this is not about fairness this is about the will of god esau if this was allowed to happen if this was allowed to be seen that i could be tricked to do this to give him the blessing then this is god's will esau can't say that he could be crying that don't make no sense that don't make no sense how could this be god's will that's not right but you're talking to a man that was going to be all slaughtered on the altar of god your dad is a fanatic he knows fully well if this is the hand of God it's the hand of God and we ain't gonna mess with that Isaac was that kid then became that type of father when this is the will of God we don't argue against the will of God even though he slay me yet will I trust him we don't argue with the will of God so Esau, all these tears you crying about something that clearly God wanted to happen because it happened it's irrelevant at this point it's obviously wanted to happen cuz it happened And I was trying to bless the right kid, but God knew that it would happen when I couldn't see. He controlled that. He controlled this timing, and it happened. This is what we're doing, Esau. Esau doesn't like that and begins to hate his brother. But by faith, nonetheless, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Amen? Amen. Woo! It's not fair. I'm sure Esau fell. It's not right! How could he not want this for my life? He doesn't, but if we really look carefully, you wouldn't have been a good fit. Come on, Esau, don't play games. You wouldn't have been that great of a fit. Hello? Oh, I done hit a nerve. It has been revealed, you don't have the personality and disposition for this. But you will fight even God himself because it seems like you were overlooked. Not even trusting that this is what God is doing. Hello, somebody. That this is what he's doing and he still has a place for you. But your hatred for your brother is getting ready to take you way, 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 way out if it's not resolved hello somebody Isn't it terrible when you know a certain situation in your life revealed an aspect of your character that you also know is not a part of God's plan you can be mad at everybody else including Esau but that was in you and in Jacob's case in Esau's case, that was in you far too long. Cause when God was ready to call it cut, you still weren't ready in here. Hello? What does that mean? It means he gonna have to put up you somewhere else. He gonna just reconfigure me somewhere else? Yes. But didn't you say, I would rather be a doorman in the house of God? Didn't you say that I would just want to be in his presence? Didn't you say, oh, is it about your birthright or is it about your position? Hello? Amen. So by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. I took a lot of faith. Isaac had to accept what God was doing. Even when his eldest son is crying. But he had to conclude. You can see that how he concluded, right? I can still see this is, this is probably what God meant. Especially if this is first time hearing, you gave up your birthright? What? What are you doing? Right? No, d- 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 nothing about how you did this was right, okay? I-, I-, I can't undo God's thing, but I can definitely see why God is doing this. Yeah. Isaac, by faith, had to conclude that in order to bless his sons. The way they were supposed to be blessed even when he, he didn't go back and undo it and you're still going to serve your brother. By faith, this is how this is going to go. I'm not undoing that. The next verse verse 21. By faith we're going we're only going to go to Where are we going to finish chapter 11 today? We're almost done. Okay? <laughs> by faith Jacob when he was dying blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worship leaning on the top of his staff. Stop right there by faith Jacob blesses now Isaac blessed when he was dying Abraham blessed when he was dying and now Jacob is getting ready to bless Joseph's two sons Joseph being uh, Jacob's son okay Jacob Israel had 12 sons okay but that's unique all right (laughs) he had 12 sons But these 12 sons came differently. One of his sons, before he had his full 12, was named Joseph, the youngest, okay, from his favored wife that he was supplanted on was tricked and got another wife first, (laughs) his sister, and that's not the one he really wanted. You know, then, you know, he got his other. God has a way of bringing it back to you, you know. (laughs) He was supplanted many years for the love of his life and had to work many more years for the other love of his life got her so this is the youngest of I think the youngest and maybe the first the youngest and the only that she actually had of her own uh, um, Rachel all right was in Joseph so this is a cherished moment this is a cherished son because this is from the woman that I loved most and I've always wanted this is the one I wanted to be a part of my life not the one I was tricked to making a part of my life and they all had sons with with their maid servants you remember that So, some of Jacob's children were um, really through um, some of the women in his household, but not necessarily his wives. All right? But Joseph was the son of the wife that he loved. Okay? Um, Joseph, you know the story, was sold into slavery into Egypt by his brothers because he kept having dreams and visions about ruling. Now, remember, back in Shem's day and Noah, when an individual had a dream about what God was doing and using them, that that meant a lot. And the elders watched that to say, okay, they had a dream, then another elder might have the dream first, and they'd be like, oh, okay, let's see. This kid might be, this is how it connected that this kid was called to carry on the legacy of who God is throughout the ages. And so uh, Joseph had dreams. They didn't like that. He was the favorite. They didn't like that. All right. And so they sold him off to slavery. He got sold into slavery to Egypt. Had a whole bunch of, you know, Joseph's story is very, very, very long. That's not the point. All right. When Joseph was getting old and was getting ready to die, Joseph had two sons while he was in Egypt. Those two sons was Ephraim and Manasseh. Okay. Now, this is in Genesis chapter 48. Which is unique here, okay, is in Genesis chapter 48. When Jacob is getting ready to die, he asked that Joseph, because now Jacob, because there was a famine in all the land, Joseph was used to preserve the entire world that was under Pharaoh's imp- imperial ship, all right? OK? That J- J- Joseph was used to save them, all of Egypt, from famine. And so when his brothers come to ask for grain to take back home, that's when he re- he's reunited with his brothers. Yes? But Jacob was raised in Egypt. Once his brother sold him off as a young man, Joseph, excuse me, Joseph was raised in Egypt. Yes? Okay. So now he's been brought up the ranks through trials and tribulations to be second in charge to Pharaoh. All right? But he's in Egypt. Okay? J- he, he sees his father, father. Long story short, he brings his father and his brothers to Egypt with him where there's food, so they can be taken care of. And they're taken care of lavishly because of Joseph. Mm -hmm. All right? When his dad is getting ready to die, the famine subsides. His dad moves a little bit away from Egypt, but calls his son, says, come. I'm getting ready to die, Joseph. And I want to bless your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. I want to bless them like they're my two sons. And he says, the reason I want to do this is because when I was on my way to the promised land your mother died in essence we could have had more kids but she died just before we got to the promised land this is just in Genesis 48 okay he says we were in Bethlehem when she died people 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 okay Long story, go back. So he said, "I want to bless your two sons. Bring them to me. I want to bless your sons as if they were my sons. Okay, because I want your seed should have been born within my household, but your seed." wasn't born in my household somehow Satan stole you from me and your seed was born in his household under his rulership but I want to make sure your seed is a part of my household so I want you to give me your two sons and every son after that they yours okay but these two sons are now going to be considered my sons because your mom could have birthed your sons and your brothers and your daughters in the land of, of wandering when we were wandering in the promised land but she died before that could happen and you had to be in egypt so i'm going to make sure your seed is a part of my household now ephraim and manasseh he goes to bless ephraim and manasseh and the situation happens again but this time uh when he's trying to when uh, jacob is trying to bless Joseph's kids ephraim and manasseh he puts his left hand on the oldest and his right hand on the youngest so he gives the birthright to the youngest the blessing to the youngest and gives uh, and gives the second in command to the oldest, and so Jacob sees that he's like, "Uh-uh, we ain't doing that again." If Joseph sees that we just switch that around, switch, switch, switch it switch, switch, switch around, and Jacob is like, "Nah, no, this is how it's going to go down. The older will serve the younger. The younger will be the firstborn." in my new household oh y'all y'all don't want to play fair today now you can plainly see how we could call it unfair hello somebody and manasseh could say this ain't right this ain't right but oh i see the hand of god this is not about fairness are you after me for the blessings or do you want to have a birthright do you want to be the one that leads who god is throughout every age and generation if that's what you want to do then you need to recognize that this firstborn will come under his youngest and the youngest will become the head hello somebody he will become the first Because where were they born? Because they were born in Egypt. And this is me delivering them from Egypt, putting them in my household. And where was Jesus born? So the story will pick up, dear Rachel, as the mother of Israel. The story will pick up, dear Rachel, as the mother of Israel, where you died. In Bethlehem, Rachel, now I will bring forth my new son in the same land that your bones were buried in. Woo! God Israel said I see how this is going and Joseph was like nah dad you got the wrong head." he's like nah son I see something even while I'm dying I see the hand of God he did it with me and my brother Esau he's doing it with your two sons that God is going to use them to bring in many nations of Gentiles and we can't let your firstborn be the one because then it won't include the latter. But if I include the latter, then surely the blessing will go to the firstborn as well. I know. Hello. And so Paul begins to teach in Hebrews. He's saying, I'm trying to, he's, he's trying to reveal that all these people, they never received the promise, but they died believing it. And even as they were dying, they still believe, I see what God is doing. He's not using us just to build a nation. He's using us to bring in many nations. Oh, and they would believe it so much so that they would switch the heads of firstborn and secondborn and they would, they would say, let me show you this by faith. This is exactly what God is doing. He's gonna get many nations, not just the nation of Israel, but the nation of Israel will become the father of many nations under God and under God's rule. I see it happening. So by faith, they blessed their children with what they knew God was doing. Even though they didn't see it in their day, they died in the faith. Hello? Amen. If you want scripture reference for that, it's Genesis 48. Amen. (laughs) For your references on that story. Let's move on to verse 22 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying. So Joseph's sons was blessed right joseph got blessed himself because the blessing and the birthright from abraham went to joseph i mean from jacob went to joseph but it included his sons as the 12 tribes of israel so the lineage continued through joseph the blessing and the birthright but the nation of israel was named under the 12 sons which included two sons of joseph that was born in egypt hello And so then Joseph, when he's dying, now bear in mind, all these people are doing this when they're dying. They've believed and believed their entire lives and never saw it. They believed and never saw it. But they believed so that even at their last breath, they echoed what they believed. So Joseph is now at the point where he's going to take his last breath and he believes it so much. Look at this. Now his son's is already blessed. and so we don't have to worry about that. All right. But Joseph, uh, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Joseph said, look, we will leave Egypt and we will go to my father's land your father's land, Manasseh and Ephraim, right? We will leave Egypt and we will go there. And I want you to promise me that when I die, since I'm dying, that you will take my bones when we leave this place and you will take them back to the promised land of my father and your grandfather and your great grandfather and all of the the fathers before them you will take my bones back to that promised land that I know my great granddaddy walked around and said this is going to be ours and this is going to be ours and this is going to be ours because I want people to know don't worry about how you see me dying oh y'all don't want to play fair today don't worry about how you see me believing oh y'all don't want to play fair today it may look like I'm taking my last breath in a situation that is not very conducive of success it may look like I've given up it may look like I didn't win but when I take my last breath and I die you make sure you take my bones and you tell everybody I knew it it doesn't matter how I look when I'm ending my life you got to know what I believed don't judge me by where I ended my bones are buried you gonna dig them bones up You're going to tell everybody I believed it unto dying. I wanted to rub in Satan's face. You thought you can keep me in Egypt. I brought my whole family out. Got my sons a part of a nation that would someday rule all nations. And I believe it so much that these bones are going to leave this ground and go to another ground and promise. This was the concept of resurrection. Can these bones live? When Joseph himself will be resurrected on the day of resurrection, he will find his resurrected body in his promised land. Reflecting his walk and life of faith, even unto death. That he just believed God so that it didn't even matter if he didn't see it in his day, he knew it was coming. And I want y'all to do me a favor that when you know that day has happened, you take my bones. So everybody would know I believed. Because they're going to try to conclude, because I was raised in Egypt, died in Egypt, that I really didn't know who I was called to be. This is why when people say, Pastor, if you get caught sinning, uh, you know, because sometimes I've, had, I've done homegoings and the family is perplexed that their particular loved one um, died while committing sins in their life. Like, I'm afraid they went to hell. I was like, I don't believe that. This is one of the scriptures that I say, I don't believe that. This one. Because it doesn't matter where you are when you die. What matters is, did you believe unto death that this was not going to be your final resting place? That if there was just a bit more time, they would have been in the promised land but God's timing can't be beat, but they believed unto death. I've had people text me or call me. I want counseling just days before they pass and they're so concerned and every time about where they're going to go. And I say, you've been believing, I've known you, you've been believing God has assured you of salvation, but I haven't been living. It's all right. Let's repent of what we know we can repent of, but God has assured you of salvation. The, The idea here is, you know what you believe and you have to believe it even unto death. Even when you find yourself in Egypt, even when I'm in Egypt, I still know who I'm supposed to be. I still know who I'm, I'm preaching better than I'm you know, I, I still know who I'm called to be. I still know what I'm designed to do by God. I still believe that I'm not going to be in this state forever, that I will live and not die. So even though my body and my flesh is buried here, I still believe that God is going to raise me up to promise and I will inherit that promise. Even if I die as a believer in Egypt. Hello, somebody. Whew. So Joseph made it, made mention of the departure and gave instructions concerning his bones. At the point of death, he expressed his faith in the promise by which Abraham and his seed received Canaan as their inheritance. Let's go into verse 23. By faith, Moses, and this is where we're going to end today. by faith Moses now Moses comes along right as one of a some child that is born in Pharaoh's camp Joseph brought everybody and all the nation of Israel to Egypt and many generations down the road um, the Israelites began to outnumber the descendants of Joseph began to outnumber the descendants of Egypt and Pharaoh didn't like that, but this ain't the Pharaoh that was favored Joseph. this is a different pharaoh, right, and so now egypt uh, is- Isra- Egypt enslaves Israel, like you guys you guys aren't really from here from here, okay, and it's too many of y'all, and they enslave them all right um and this is the point where Moses shows up, right Moses the one that let my people go, Pharaoh, all right, okay. <laughs> So by faith Moses, his parents, according to Hebrews 11:23, by faith Moses' parents were not afraid of the king's command. In essence, it says by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. This is an interesting concept because Moses being hidden—you know—he was put in the ark and. And a little ark and sent down the river, right? Okay. Um, foreshadowing Christ and showing Noah's Ark and the Christ in the ark and blah 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 the, the Kingsman Redeemer, all right. Kingsman Redeemer. All right. So Moses' his parents knew that this child was called, and they knew that he was beautiful for God. And it says that they that by faith they hid him because they did not fear the king. This is the life. Of those who are in Egypt, that you are now living as believers of the one true God in a place of bondage. Yes, yes. but Moses' parents were of the stock that said, "I'm not killing my child," because the idea was, when Pharaohs came to see you, in you know, order because you guys are go- the the slaves are getting too big, that he was going to kill all the firstborn, all the men child. And so the troops of Pharaoh went out to kill. All of those that were born male, um, that were Israelites. His parents, Moses' parents, decided to hide him for three months. This is before they sent him down the river. They had to hide him so he could nurse. Mm-hmm. right? So they hit him. And it says that they were not afraid of the king's command. And I this this I had to pause here because I'm like, well, you had to be somewhat afraid because you hit him. Like <laughs> Because you know when I think of people, modern day Christians that quote to have faith, they do dumb stuff like, I ain't afraid of the police. You know, like when we were had faith and we were dealing with COVID, and I said, if you have pre-existing health conditions, I don't want you to come to church you know you, you know don't come stay watch it on zoom we had YouTube at that time you know went to great extents to have a quality imaging now we went back to zoom no more quality all right <laughs> but we had quality imaging there you know and um, uh, and I so said you can just stay home and those of us that are healthy that would like to be here on Sundays when I come in we will have service right and we knew that the King's command was that we need to shut our doors right but we apparently were not afraid of the King's command but we did hide in that i told you don't wear no church clothes (laughs) dress down we cut our services down to minimum we didn't have sunday school we didn't have this we didn't have that we didn't have this but we will meet sundays and wednesdays that's what we're going to do right um the idea is i know people that are the foolishness about faith is that they think that means you're not even concerned about what pharaoh could do Um, and that's not the truth because moses's parents hid the baby. This is not about Moses' parents. See, if they weren't afraid of, of Pharaoh, they'd be like, we got our baby. What you going to do? Because God is for us. Who can be against us? No, 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 no. If you're really concerned with the child, then you'll do everything you could do to protect the child even by putting yourself at risk. Oh, y'all don't want to play fair today. So our decision was we're going to protect the church because the church was built by Christ and not individuals. Hello, somebody Since the government did not build the church, did not die for the church. Then the government can't tell me what to do with the church, the church being the baby, but I myself will be put in harm's way, but I will hide and protect the baby. Cause the only people that should have access to church fellowship should not be those that are privy to internet. Didn't even recognize see if you just reason a little bit further, just think a little bit further. Christianity should not be exclusive to those who have internet access, which are first world privileged selves. It should be open to anyone walking on the street who doesn't have internet yeah. that needs fellowship. And back in the day, people in church would be open under many plagues. The pastor, maybe nobody else, would stand there praying for people that were dying. Bring in the sick. Bring in those that the doctors have given the terminal notice to. And even though I could have Ebola, I'm not going to turn away. This is what pastors and leaders are supposed to do. We're not asking you to do it unless you, by faith, can see that this is the work of God and will believe unto death. But surely the leaders of the body of Christ have to believe even unto death. Surely, even if I got to get COVID myself, surely, even if I don't make it, surely, you can bury my bones. But remember, I believed. Many churches are closing and not reopening because the faith was never there from the beginning. You wanted the blessings of church but not the birth y'all don't you wanted the blessings of what being a a kingdom and and the non-profit tax write-offs and and the drag and the mercedes benzes and and the bentley's and the big the big worship centers you wanted all the blessings but when it came down to that birthright, and you standing and saying look y'all ain't gotta come but anybody that needs Christ at this time and a pandemic that we are here and even if I die from COVID I'm still here serving God that is the birthright of every believer and because a man died in COVID, because a pastor got COVID and died, does not believe he was, does not mean he was wrong. Because if you die in Egypt, you better pick up his bones and let the whole world know that was a true man of God. But even believers, oh, if he died. They say, that's because that's God didn't like that. You too, a too brutes you too, you don't even recognize that you can die in the faith, but you only ascribe a person actually having faith by the blessings, but all the kids can get a blessing. All the kids can get a blessing, but where are the children that will stand in their birthright as Royal priests? He died of COVID cause his church was open. Other members died of COVID. They got COVID. Don't you, number one, you can't even prove they got it from church. One person could have got it from the grocery store and brought it to everybody. That could still happen. But dying in the faith is the point. Staying alive without tragedy or pain is not the goal, considering tragedy and pain happens to us all. Dying full of faith, believing to your last breath, seeking God through, your every, every, through everything you've got going on, that, that's the goal. Even at the threat of death, I'm like, mm, just make sure everybody know, I knew that God was going to deliver us. And I believed to my last breath. And I didn't change it at my last breath. Because the temptation is to change it then maybe I got it wrong maybe I look like a fool I've been living for Jesus like a fool and I I've, I've, I've got it all wrong I didn't get this and I didn't get that and you start looking over your life and all the stuff you didn't get see I said if I lived a different way then I would have been married by now if I lived a different way then I would have had a better job by now if I lived a different way then I wouldn't have got COVID if I lived a different way then I wouldn't have got sick if I lived that's not the faith of God get your tail up that mountain and you live it the way God has proclaimed Get up the mountain, cross over the sea, get to where you're supposed to be at by faith. Even if you don't receive it fully, don't stop believing. Cause the temptation is when it's not working out to say, maybe I got it wrong. The temptation is maybe see I, I, I'm don't, and, and, and if you're not careful, that thing is already growing in you now because when it's not going the way you want it to go, you start questioning God and everything about God and everything about your life and everything about how he, he, why did he bring me here? And why did you bring me to this point And why do you let this happen? And why you let that happen? And everything becomes a massive amount of questions versus an Isaac that accepts this is the hand of God and I will believe in him even when his hand presents something that I don't like. Because that is by definition faithfulness. I'll believe and serve even when I don't like it. or When I don't get what I need or what I want. An unfaithful spouse is one who is going somewhere else to get something that they need or want. So a faithful spouse is one that says, even if you don't give me, even unto death, and I need life, even unto death, I will still remain with you in whatever you got going on. And however, God, you decide to do things and however you decide to take my life and take my life on whatever road you take my life down. If it's singleness, I'll be with you. If it's in wealth, I'll be with you. If it's in poverty, I'll be with you. If it's in sickness, I'll be with you. If it's in health, I'll be with you. No matter where you take my life, I am full of faith. We're not raising up believers because one message is not going to do it. I preach it so that you know it. Then I have to hold your hand and walk you through it. <laughs> because it's time for you to get another test of faith and I have to say, come on, you can do it. Pastor, what should I do? I'm tired of this job. like What should I do? By faith, baby, by faith. And I remember when she had to make some tough decisions. I said, now how do you conclude? How do you conclude? How, where is God in this? And you have to see his hand in what you don't like and to make sure that you will remain faithful to what he put you, where he placed you, and not take up your life in your own hands and start doing stuff any really kind of way you want to do it. Because then it'll be an Esau. Now you're crying when you were disqualified from the blessing scriptures later got uh, earlier in Hebrews. It talks about how, how there could be no place found for him though. He started with tears. He wanted to undo everything he did wrong and there was nothing that could be done. And the role of the pastor in your faith walk is not just preach it. So you'll know this is the standard, but then I take you by your hand. as Long as you don't snatch your hand out of my hand, I take you by your hand and I walk you through how that looks in your life you see how it looks in mine and then when we get to your if I come over join you on your life and I say it's okay Danny so well pastor I got this right here or I could do this hmm you say A or B yep I got A or B I definitely see B as part of God's plan A not so much for real for real all day B all day B all day B Pastor, I can't do B. I just can't do, I can't do B. Well, Can we do a little bit of AB? Can we do some AB? A and B? Can we do a little bit of AB? Both of them? Uh, I, I mean, I guess you could. Your, you can do either one you want to do. It's your life. But you know, What you really want to know, is there a blessing in me doing both? What you're really asking is, will I be blessed even if I do B? What you really want that's what you're really asking me. Oh, come, come on, let's be honest. You're really asking me, will I receive the same blessing? Absolutely not. There is no way you can receive the same blessing in path B that is not of God, as if that's like you not having the birthright receiving the blessing goes with the birthright. Baby, you don't want to step into that birthright, then you don't get the blessing that comes with that. Mm-hmm. That's right. really ask me, Pastor, because you know, Pastor, if you tell me he ain't, then you know it's going. you're already kind of like cursing me a little bit. Like, you try, you're trying to say, like, God, like I ain't going to be fruitful in my life a little bit. Like, you ain't really saying that, but it feels feel like you're trying to tell me that if I go down this path, I won't be fruitful or successful. And I want to say, it would feel like to me you trying to convince, you want me to convince you that if you did something less than the will of God, that somehow you're supposed to get equal blessings. So I say, I don't know. you do know (laughs) i just said which one you should do i can't do that one i can't do that one (laughs) and because you have a habit of not doing the will of god fully and it works out okay then what are you naturally inclined to do not do the will of god fully and it works out okay but you want more than okay i could tell cause that's the only reason you came to me you want more than okay i want. i want to look like this patriarchs i want to look like i want to look like paul i want to look like peter i want to look like abraham and isaac i want to look like that pastor i want to look like you because you have be doing stuff i want to be looking like that and i'm like well come on let's go hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on now pastor you sure i gotta go that way i'm i'm pretty sure <laughs> Number one, you saw it in me. This is what I did. This is how I got here. This is how this is what they did. This is how the patriarchs walked by faith. This is how they walked by faith. This is how they lived by faith. It's very clear. This is the way. The only reason you can't see is because you don't want to go that way. So you're stuck trying to convince yourself that there's another way. I know plenty of people that have done that. It never works out. And at some point, he's gonna call it. Do that switcheroo on you. Hello? And we're done. I use you to get you to this point. Next. And it ain't even you. So I'm like, you wanna take me by my hand? Mm-mm. Not on this one. I'll be here maybe the next one if the Lord give you a next one. Okay, you ready to take me by my hand? You got A or B? I say B. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty I'm pretty this is the nature of God. Uh huh. No, you do This is the moment. That's all like, I'm not gonna come and snatch you. You're about to go do God's way. Then I'd be a cult leader. (laughs) It's your walk of faith. Do you believe that god has predestined me to be your pastor at this time in this season at this day of your life just like isaac was blind at a certain point when he had to perform his blessing do you unbe- do you believe that this at this turn of your life this is exactly the pastor that he had in mind when you were going through this turn of your life and that means you take me by my hand and we go that's it at least you got somebody to take by the hand hello somebody <laughs> that part <laughs> You're not here willy-nil in the <laughs> <laughs> And i make you believe it, boy. You better do, B. You better, I knew B. You better do it. I see you doing, B. You don't you give up. You do, B. B is hard. Hold, hold it up, hold it up. Keep going, come on. Hold, hold Get it up, come on. Push, 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 push. Go, go. Woo! Got a whole cheerleader on B. Which also hits you on the bad side, because when you choose A, you don't hear me cheering you feel some sort of way or you you can't support me i am i am here but you're supposed to be i'm not encouraging you to do wrong (laughs) why for you can't be it's like you always got to destroy my dreams Yes, because your dreams are foul (laughs) but i love you i am here could you do more no i can't do no more because everything you got going on is wrong the fact that i'm doing this i'm already on the line I'm not supposed to be this close to you. You can get us both struck. I'm supposed to turn you over to Satan, do you know that? Don't you go no further, I won't be able to reach you. I'll wait for you to come back. <laughs> come on, come on, just a little bit closer. Come on, you're almost there, cross over. Oh, thank God. <sighs> Y'all make my blood pressure rise up. I hear tear tottering in Satan's business. Oh, make me nervous. You're getting further and further away rather than closer and closer and closer. I try to call people. When I call you, when I call you, I only call you because I know you are going too far, too fast. If I don't call you Gabrielle, it's because you ain't gone nowhere. You're just beside me being rebellious, which is not a threat. You're in the house doing wrong. I'm, I'm fine with that as long as you're in the house. Hello? When I have to call you, hey! Hey, it's your pastor. Hey, 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 how you doing? Is you checking on you? Okay. This is me going, you better be careful. You was getting way too far. You can't even see me no more. you so far, you can't even see me. So I got to call your name. Hey! <laughs> That's dangerous. Ain't nothing to be celebrated. This is something to be very, very. Oh. Pastor had to call the check on me, but not didn't. I didn't. I was sick. Way. <laughs> you know how down bad your spirit man got to be? Then one I think it's funny, some people I call I'll be like, "Hey, let me see you for a second. I ain't seen you all week. You look different. Come here, let me see. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. Now I know they lying. And every time that they say they fine and I find out they're not fine, I then find out later that they was lying at that point. I asked you if you was fine. I said, cause, and, and some people, I have to get more real with them, you know, some of my lions. I'm like, I asked you that day, I said, you look funny, spiritually. You said you was fine. But I want to tell you that when you come back from your mess, but we're in emergency mode, so I don't ever get a chance to tell you, you lied. That's so small in comparison to what you have, the healing that you need. Do you understand what I'm saying? That I always forget. So now I'm gonna tell you now. You lied that time you said you was fine. I knew you wasn't fine. You need to start telling the truth once you can get some help before you go down that far. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So by faith, Moses' parents hid him because they didn't fear Pharaoh. No, they feared Pharaoh for Moses. They did not fear Pharaoh for themselves. And that's a unique difference. They hid Moses, huh? But they did, were not afraid to die in their belief that he was going to be used by God. Yes? Okay. Now, verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called, we got to go. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, <laughs> refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked uh, to the reward. Stop right there. What I think is amazing about Moses is one, they already said he was a beautiful child, right? And you got to be a pretty beautiful baby for the, the daughter of the king to scoop you up and be like, this is my baby. Not like my, this did my baby. Not even adopted, did my baby. Anybody that say differently? Get them, all right? Because this is my baby. That's a pretty cute baby. I'm not going to lie. Attractiveness helps in a world. Yes? Beauty is, 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 is helpful, right? I know plenty of doors have been opened literally for me. A man will open the door because of how I look. My skirt was extra short that day. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Took a turn. (laughs) But Moses' beauty and attractiveness as a child was only there for one reason, that God might use him as a called individual for his works. What What bothers the soul is that you want beauty not for God's use. You want it for your use. You want to be slim, tall, cut, built, You want to have a head full of hair, long down your back. You want all these things not for God, but you want them for you. So you could somehow live longer, be more liked, have more friends, have more people come on to you, have more people give you compliments. And as a pastor, when you're no longer seeking to be found (laughs) as a single, (laughs) you let yourself go. And I have to tell you, I thought she was doing these things for the father. Like I work out for the father because as we have proven on a breath test between a competition between me and Jewel, Jewel is the athlete, okay? I can hold my breath far longer. My lungs are stronger than the athlete, okay? I do that and try to do that to keep my health up so I can preach. Because I don't know if you notice, know but this is a very aggressive type of behavior. <laughs> okay? It's high energy sometimes, especially in a black church. Okay? You got to take your shoes off. You can do some cartwheels. You know? I'm going to say, what you going to do tomorrow, uh, next week? Oh, I'm minister I'm not going to be there. I got to work. What you going to do? A cartwheel? I said, probably. <laughs> I could really do one, but I'm not. That's inappropriate. <laughs> Unless God says. Okay, no, he doesn't. Okay, great. Because <laughs> I do it. No. All right. (laughs) But nevertheless, um, Moses, by faith, uh, he was snatched up because of his beauty. But then he says, by faith, he chose, by faith, when he became of age. He could pick. You want to stay in Pharaoh's household as a son of Pharaoh's daughter, the ruling nation, or do you want to be a son of the enslaved nation? A or B? What you what she say you got for me? Pastor, should I go A or B? Definitely B. B all day. You mean you want you think I should give up being I Pastor? humbly speaking, I could have more influence as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I can reach more people cause you know, wealthy people reach wealthy people. I can reach more. There's people in this sphere. You know, God needs a whole bunch of wealthy people to talk to wealthy people. God could use me more. So, huh? Yes, this is true in some cases, but you're asking, what do I think for you? Not that it could be needed, but is that needed by you? So for you, based off of your life, be. What do you know exactly? You don't wanna came ask me. (laughs) (laughs) Do whatever you want, but you respect that wise opinion. And over the years, it has tried and proven to be very true, that part. So, so I say, B, you mean tell me you think I should give up being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, having all this? I could probably eventually, you know, who knows? God could raise me up, and I could like free all of Israel. I agree that God could use you to free Israel, but not in that way. I agree that that is God's plan for your life, but not this way. I agree that the ultimate end of what you're supposed to do, you see clear. What you don't see clear is that that's not the way he tends to use you to do it. I'm preaching better, y'all. Y'all not enjoying this today? I mean, I'm almost done, but I just thought y'all might like that part. Let me get an amen. amen. Your ultimate core desire... Ultimately, I agree that what you see that God has purposed in your spirit for your life, that part is true. But you are taking the road that you prefer over the road that God has prepared. And so you think that I don't agree with the end because I don't agree with your method. You don't really see me, Pastor. I do. You don't really know me. I do I believe in the end of what God has really called you to do to be but I do not believe in that method and because I don't believe in the method and this is the only way you see it as happening because you have not concluded with God in the right way this is the only way you see it happening we disagree That fine is your life but Moses decided when he was of age to uh, what does it say by faith Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction. This means that he said, I'm going to rather be a slave with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. When he finally became of age to make his own decisions, he decided all the more towards God, not away from God hello with your grown self I'm grown I'm mature in the Lord if you're so mature and grown then you should be deciding all the more towards God not more towards the other side you should be going looking God, I want to do more for Jesus how oh, can I do this for God can I do this for the kingdom can I do this for the church can I do this what about this can I be there can I do that can I be, I'll give up this job take this lesson to pay. do more for the God more for kingdom I should see maturity Now that you've so grown and got your degrees and all, that you're moving towards God, not back towards Pharaoh's side, picking up more Pharaoh stuff, esteem and success. Oh, look at you. Look at you, so successful. Look at you, so pretty, so, so handsome, so, so everything. You got a whole life together. Look at you. Great credit score. <laughs> Amen. (laughs) You got your little 401k. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) I see you choosing to be on the side of those believers and how they live for God. Well, Pastor, you got your stuff. Yes, I got these things that you want, these physical things, and I was not trying to get them they were added to me. I was trying to get kingdom, always been trying to get kingdom, trying to get God, more kingdom, more kingdom, more kingdom, more God. This other stuff was added to me because the Bible is true. I never sought the car, never sought the house, never sought the savings plan, never sought any of that. I just did the kingdom. Oh, I qualify. All right. Sign me up. Cool. Kingdom. (laughs) Oh, I can get that. Hmm. All right. That looks like a blessing. Is it a blessing? It's a blessing. All right, cool. Kingdom. You think I can achieve these things, then I'll, I'll be more work, better work, use in the kingdom. I'll be more use in the kingdom if I can get this done, and more use in the kingdom if I can get that done. And we're ignoring the fact that all of this gives you self aggrandizement. Oh, for the kingdom, huh? Huh, huh? Well, if it's so for the kingdom, then put it on the altar. That's good, like Pastor. This later blessings. When you slay them blessings, I'm like, all right, maybe it was for the kingdom. Maintain that same energy, fam. <laughs> Let's go. It ain't gonna happen just one time. It's all the time. <laughs> well, I gave it that one time. I gave my tithes, my whole check that time. That was mm-hmm, all the time. Keep that same energy. I, I gave up that last relationship, mm-hmm, and you have to give up everyone else that does not belong for God's plan. <laughs> Keep that same energy. <laughs> That's the way it works. Amen. But look at this big one here. By faith, he chooses rather to suffer affliction. Huh? Uh huh. He chooses to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. This is the point that just, I'm gonna preach this again next week, because this is the part that gets my church. As you prefer to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, you know it's passing. It only feels good for a second. You only have peace about it right in the heat of it. Then afterwards, this was a terrible idea. I sinned like a fool. I was disobedient like a fool. I mean, technically it wasn't a sin, but I shouldn't even have done that like a fool, right? And all of these things. And Moses said he would rather suffer affliction I would make myself miserable than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. In the current body of Christ, especially in the black church, we much prefer the enjoying the pleasures of sin, the fleeting pleasures of sin, and repent afterwards than to sign up for the affliction of not having that sin. You know you're going to hurt either way, but you would choose rather to hurt, ask for forgiveness, and deal with that hurt than to hurt not have it and be right where God wants you to be. To me, that's insanity. It reveals that you really don't love God the way you profess. Because you would hurt you and him after you've gotten what you wanted. Then for you to only one to be to hurt in order to serve him. Because he gave you his all. And you know you're going to hurt either way. But you just gotta have that fleeting pleasure of sin. I've been there, eating something I ain't got no business eating, after I said I was gonna fast. I mean, not in this fast, but you know, other fast, right? A diet, drinking, cussing. I thought I wasn't gonna do that. But this moment of pleasure was so great that I refused to endure my affliction. And what Moses did is he said, I will endure affliction. I'll just suffer. You'll do what? I'll suffer. Bruh, you ain't even got to do it that way. Nah, it's good. I'm good. I'll just suffer with God. God, that ain't God. Mm, Sometimes it is. Remember his son hung upon a tree. So sometimes suffering is a part of his thing. Okay? So I'm going to choose to suffer with him. Over all of this, YOLO. Seriously, <laughs> right? So that's the way that worked. Amen. So Moses, by faith, uh, chose to suffer affliction versus the fleeting pleasures of sin. I think that's the part I'll I re-preach it next Sunday. I'm it this Sunday. I'm I'm waiting on the Holy Spirit to to convict someone near and far. About how hard it is, but how necessary. Because without faith, it is impossible to do what. Please God, that was in the earlier chapter of eleven. That if your faith cannot move you to suffer affliction, then it's not faith. You remember we talked about how me and my dating situations as an unmarried pastor means that, in some regards, I am choosing to not have children. Cause it's hard for somebody to commit to marrying a pastor a female pastor right in some regards i'm choosing uh, to not have comfort with the passing of my mother to not have certain things that that you could really want but i would rather suffer affliction with the people of god than to enjoy the fleeting passions of sin or the pleasures of sin Pastor, you shouldn't have to do. It. You can have. You can do whatever you want. You could. You, you could just do it this way. You can do it that way. You can do it this way. I know I can, and so can you. But if their own leader can't figure that out, hello, somebody. If your own leader can't choose to suffer affliction, if the leaders of the body of Christ cannot choose to suffer affliction for God rather than participate in the fleeting pleasures of sin, then who stands a chance? Who stands a chance? Amen. Amen. All right. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, than to enjoy passing pleasures of sin. Verse 26 says esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt in Egypt. Stop right there. He, He esteemed the reproach of, do you understand what reproach means? It means the correction. Yes, reproach means correction. It means the reprimand. Moses esteemed, thought greater of the reprimand of God than he did of the treasures of Egypt. y'all don't want to play see how you just looked over that you didn't even see that right there right in front of your face Moses said I'd rather be chastened by God than to enjoy the treasures of all of Egypt I don't want your silver your gold your women your men I don't want none of that to me even the chastening of God is better than anything this earth has to offer me Reproach means to chasten, to correct. He said, I mean, God blesses us, but he said, the discipline of God, God being upset with me is still better than all the treasures the world has to offer me. Because if he's upset with me, that means he's upset because I belong to him. I'd rather belong to God and be, not, be way down here belonging to God. I'm corrected and brought low. Hello, somebody. I have been brought real low, but I'm still in the house. I'm, I brought, but I'm still here. Oh, he done brought me. But this is still better than being out there. Most of it, I'd rather be in here miserable. I'd rather be in the house of God, suffering. Miserable, because every time I come in, I'm getting corrected. Every time I come in, I'm getting reproved and chastened. But it's still better than being out there with all the silver and gold. How you go to that church? It seems like there's always you always telling me what you ain't supposed to be doing. Yeah, but technically, I ain't supposed to be doing that stuff. And then the other part is, it just feel better being in here, being corrected, because I know God is still seeing me god is still seeing me she correct me on stuff that don't she couldn't even have known god still sees me and i like knowing that even he sees me even in my mess him seeing me even at my worst still feels better than me not being out here with all the riches of silver and gold and men and women and success that i could have i'd rather be miserable in the household of faith than to be comfortable in pharaoh's camp Ask people why you don't come to church? Pastor, you know I ain't right. You ain't gonna do nothing but cut me up. Exactly. Does nothing sound appealing to you? No. I'll wait for when it does. Cause everybody had to come in here at some point when you know you're full of sin. How you doing? Terrible. Pastor, you cut me up. You beat me up. You stepped on my toes. I ain't got no toes left. I feel, and sometimes, not even jokingly, you literally would feel worse leaving. <laughs> you all go like, why even go to church? <laughs> I thought I was coming to feel better. You thought wrong. You think you're going to come to church and feel better after doing the kind of stuff you did? Absolutely not. Why well, even think it was that bad of a deal? That's why you got beat up so bad, because you didn't even think it was that bad of a deal. It was a big deal. Well, why you say that? i did i did that's why you feel bad am i supposed to feel this bad absolutely what's the point careful if you're gonna feel bad coming to church what's the point what's the point even coming at all careful you're moving outside the bounds of faith are you here for the blessings or for the birthright careful because no matter what all this correction is supposed to grow you that's why it's correcting you to be, to be straight, more straight, walk a straighter line, more narrow line, more crisp, more right. I put your foot in, I put your foot, can't do not put your foot, put your foot in, put it back. Put, 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 ooh, ooh, ooh. That's the whole point. You don't like that? Who would like that? People that are called to do this. I don't pastor non-believers. I pastor believers. I pastor Christians. I'm not an inspirational speaker. I'm a shepherd of believers. What correction you take, what reproof you take, how you are straightened up matters. I feel miserable. It's going to be like that sometimes. You sure? Absolutely. But you'll be all right. Are you fine? No. But you'll be what? I'll be all right. Because just like Moses, you began to think, still, being in here, getting corrected, and I still see it's the hand of God, even though I don't like it um it's better than being out here in the willy-nilly I'm just gonna be honest with you so my friends is out here in the willy-nilly just trying to randomly doing what they think is best with Jesus and that doesn't look good I don't want to be out there with them that looks horrible it keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse so even though I may think pastor may have a heavy hand on the correction and reproving section I really don't know if I'm judging that correctly because it could just be me maybe I've just gotten so seared in my conscience that I don't even recognize how far off I am so I think I would rather suffer affliction coming to church getting chastened and rebuked and ch- and, and and corrected than being out there enjoying all the silver and gold the treasures of Egypt every believer in here has had to do that and will keep having to do that amen Until so you finally are just like you know what this is the best place who don't love this place? it is awesome you better preach that word pastor versus you hit me again and again and again pastor you keep hitting me you still notice There are examples that I've given that you're so far removed from them. You don't even recognize that they were a part of your past. And when I preach on them, you forget that that even you, when you recall them, then you go, Oh yeah. Amen. You just so happy about it. now. we preaching it. Amen pastor. Cause that's you had to remember that that was something you lived through. Then I brought it back and now I'm correcting new people about something you lived through. You'd be like, well, amen, that's so wonderful. Oh, but when it's recent, and I preach on it. It's still tender. Hello, somebody. And because it's still tender. Now you think, well, you can't keep hitting it. But the reason we got to hit it is because it's that recent, huh? It's tender because it's recent and ain't no better time to correct you than right after you've done it. You remember that time? Really? Yeah, because I didn't say that. You did. No, I didn't. You did. I don't even remember. See, now it's all, now you just putting what you wish you have, you think you did versus when it just happened. No, 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 no. Here. I don't know no parent that says, well, this is a spanking from last year. No. Right. It doesn't happen. Like, this is from just then. <laughs> there. <laughs> Here. See that broke thing? There. That's what this is for. That's. This word goes with this deed. Yeah. That's how correction happens. Yeah. Yes? Yeah. So, of, ho- of course, you can leave feeling really bad. Mm-hmm. And based on how good your parent is at spanking, will determine how long it hurts afterwards. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That pair was good at spanking. Hello? (laughs) Them kids grow up to be well-disciplined children and adults. (laughs) What you think I'm raising? Disciplined saints. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. When you move outside the hand of God, I am the voice that makes sure you feel that. He orchestrates the stuff in your life, but I'm the voice that connects what's happening in your life with his will and desire. Remember, I'm the hand that takes you, allows you to walk through it with Christ when you get to these things in your life. Hello? I know. Some days you love me, some days you hate me. It's fine. But it says that he would rather he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater than the riches, than the treasures in Egypt. For by faith he looked toward. The reward I was counseling someone that lives in a different state and they were mentioning how they're struggling with particular sins and they know when they go to church they're gonna be miserable but he goes to church nonetheless and if he's listening as one of my podcast listeners I'm praying for you (laughs) but he goes to church nonetheless and I said that's got to be terrible I'm so sorry, that the place that you should feel comfort feels like torture. I said, I've got members that I have to do, th- I have to be the one that does that. I do that to them. And my heart aches because it's so painful to watch in them and it's just painful for me to hear that the place you would go to becomes a place of, you just feel your worse. And he said, yeah, but I go anyway, I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment. I said, no, I think I think there's honor in that I think that God sees that you're willing to be in his presence so that even if being his presence meant you felt bad you rather feel bad in his presence than not to be in his presence it's something about the people that run from his presence when they feel they know it's gonna hurt versus those that run towards his presence when they know it's going to hurt. There's something in them like a Moses spirit that says, I will run towards you, even though it's gonna hurt all the more than run away from you. I said, Man of God, you're looking at it as bad, but I see the spirit of a leader. The spirit of a leader in the body of Christ. Cause I know I'm gonna feel bad, but I'm gonna go. And in this, every time I get in this season of my life, I never feel good when I go to that church, but I'm going to go. That means you're choosing to suffer affliction with the people of God. And that has a place in God's kingdom. Amen. Amen. Verse 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt. Okay. That part. We'll pick up there next week. We'll, we'll stop here. We'll stop here. We'll stop on Moses. At this point, before we go to they by faith, they forsook, because there's a whole bunch of stuff I really want to show in that that we don't have time for. Standing all over the house.